So I want to become a dog trader. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog-loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy, during that all-important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world. Dr Ian Dunbar, veterinary behaviourist, says... I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this. This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy. You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs. Barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs So barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs And barks from the bookshop, Hello 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 again How are you? Isn't it weird? We say hello, we talk for a little bit, then we stop And then we say hello to give the illusion that we've only just met on this day Don't tell people, Steve, (laughs) you're breaking down the third wall Is it the third wall? I was just about to say the fourth wall I don't know How many walls? Because you could, I don't know There should be four at least There should be four at least Otherwise it's going to, if you've got only three walls, it's going to fall down anyway, isn't it? You'll have a ceiling on your head (laughs) Yeah How's it been? How's it been? How's life? How's lockdown life? 
that's all right working a lot actually um i kind of feel like i i don't know my it's weird being self-employed isn't it because you've always got stuff you can do Mm. and then i get different deadlines there's always stuff sort of banging along in the background and then i get you know discreet little bits of work in that have a deadline and so as much as I am spending most of my time just walking my dogs and watering my garden um, and blogging about Drax, there's loads of work as well. So I don't really feel like, so I was saying, as I was saying to Corinne yesterday, I want to take some time off for my birthday, but I feel like that's really bad to take time off ah, while well, we're in a pandemic and there's no work. <laughs> your, well, if there's no work, it's a great time to take time off. Yeah, true. Just don't go it's looking awesome. for work. That's what you got to do. No, work seems to find me, which I cannot complain about. No, Been very, days. very, very lucky. So, so well, Corin and I went back today as yeah. your, I'm not sure when we're going to put this one out, not, not right away, but as, as we're looking at this today, Monday, the 20th of whatever, May. May? Are we still in May? Yeah. It's, a, it's actually Thursday. It's Thursday. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I've gone back to work. Oh, God. You've only been oh. back a day and it's all gone to mush. Oh, hang on. I'm going to give me one second. I'm just going to buffer. <laughs> yeah, I'm back. Yeah, I think. okay, good. Is it Thursday? Oh, you have the little oh, wheel of death in your mate. eyes there. Thursday. It's Thursday. So That's you've only got one day left of work. Yay! Yay, weekend! So we went back to um, what we call recreational training, which is like um, our, it's like a dog training version of daycare, but we only have the dogs for a few hours. And it was good. It was lovely to see some dogs again. Do you know what? I, actually, just remember something. Do you know what has been absolutely blowing my tiny Swede? What? I so today we picked up um Archie Archimedes. Yeah. He's lovely. Big labradoodle. Huge labradoodle. Big big. He's one of your regulars, isn't he? I I always hear about Archie. He's lovely. Shout out to Team Archie. They're lovely, brilliant people. Now Archie up until very recently was the biggest dog I know. Um <laughs> And when I saw him today, he looked minute. I For one second, I thought, that's not Arky. Then I thought he'd had a haircut. And I asked his owner, no, he hadn't had a haircut. And I was just standing there. You've just had your perception skewed by living with a house bear. Isn't that incredible? I know. It's so weird. And I'm exactly the same with, with Drax. Like, since living with him, he doesn't actually seem that big. And then I, like you know, see a big greyhound or something and I'm like, call yeah. that a big dog. <laughs> well, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't compute it because Archie was, um, uh, Archie was bigger than Scooby, but today I'm is looking at Archie. Is he like a big, tall Labradoodle then? Yeah, like the one he's in one the of the biggies. Advert. Yeah, exactly. He's one of the big yeah. ones. Um, but yeah, um, it, was, well, it was great. We, we uh, only had three dogs today, coming back nice and easy. It was a beautiful day. We had to make sure everyone had some nice shady moments and we filled up all the pools. So it was really, really lovely. We got uh, the swallows are back in our field, which they are. If you've got three dogs that don't take any notice of birds flying around, it's beautiful. I love it. It it makes my makes my heart sing seeing swallows. I love the little the little squeeze that they do as well. There's such a lovely. (laughs) It's such a holiday noise, isn't it? It Just just close your eyes and you imagine being by a pool. Oh, that reminds me of um, when me and Corinne were on our honeymoon. We sat on a in Rome. We sat on a little balcony and there was just loads of. I think there were swifts actually, not swallows, Mm. but uh, same same thing, same thing, different bird. Um, But yeah. yeah, so these dogs fine. Didn't didn't care about the the swallows, and that's great. But 
Penny, our Jack Russell, loves the swallows. She goes, yep. you know, hell for leather, uh, trying to chase them. So we're doing a bit of work on that. And also, conveniently, it seems that Peaches is also a, a swallow Whoa! fanatic. So, so you've yeah. ended up with two swallow fanatics. Yeah, so, uh, you know, having this sort of, like, great space where you can take the dogs and they can be, you know, not be bothered by anyone else. Awesome. But, you know, now it's swallow season. God, that There's wrong. always something in there. Yeah, there is always oh, something. I had an exciting wildlife moment. I do have to talk about the APBC conference. Yep. Don't let me forget that. Nope. Um, but I had an exciting wildlife um, moment this morning um, on my walk back from the field because I was walking through the National Trust field next to mine and then suddenly a roe deer jumped out of the hedge like oh. right next to me and nearly run me over. Oh, my God. And then I thought, so I watched her for a while and she sort of ran and ran and ran and then realised I wasn't following her and looked around to check if I was. And I thought, I remember what the mummies do. They take the predator away with them from their baby. So I went and had a little nose um, and I didn't see a form. Oh, I thought I was getting really excited then. Yeah, oh, I know. Okay, okay. I'm going to one-up yeah. you. I'm one-upping you. I, I, th- I thought you could I could see something and uh, and then so I got my camera out and I was creepy creepy creeping uh, but it was a rock <laughs> what Dwayne Johnson <laughs> yeah, yeah what's he doing in Burridge <laughs> um I can one up you I think okay top wildlife top trumps yeah Go top on, trumps I've got two right number one um I don't know if I've said on the podcast, but um, in our field, we've got a traffic cone that has got a bird's nest in it. The yes. birds have hatched and they are making noises. Oh, so it's real. Today. It's real. Because you weren't sure. They're in there. Um, how they're going to get out, I've got no idea. That's a, that's a problem yeah, for another day. Yeah, you have to keep an eye. Um, but... Um, uh, uh, I'm going to one up you three times in a row. So, well, okay. actually, the bird's nest wasn't one up. I'll give you road deer's better than bird's nest. I'll give you that. Um, and the next one, debatable. But the third one, wait with bated breath. Third one is a one upper. So, second one, massive buzzards um, on our gate wow. when we turned up this morning. And it took what, off right sat on the gate. Um, on the just on the other side of it, just on the other. Oh, they look massive when they're sat up, oh, like so like tall. I mean, Corin has named her Ariel after the the little oh, mermaid. Oh, that's nice. And we've got a flounder as well that suddenly turns up every now and again. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but well, the other day I'm driving back, driving back down the don't don't road um, from I've been to the beach um, with Peach. There's a rhyme, um, and uh, a fox runs out in front of me, <gasps> like, broad daylight, runs Middle out in front of, the day. of me got something in its mouth i'm like oh it's, it's caught something it's got something it gets a bit closer it's baby it's, it's this baby, baby carrying oh, i didn't even realize they did this it's a fox carrying its baby across the road yeah moving him away <gasps> absolutely baby incredible it was incredible um okay you, you win man hands down you win thank you now i'm gonna have to spend the next week oh actually we're, we're recording again tomorrow aren't we so we i've are. got about doubles I've got 24 hours to have a, an amazing wildlife moment. You did have a snake in your pond. I did have a snake in my pond. That is not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> you know I wasn't going to say anything. I think that's, that's two things I've said that sounded the season of swallow as well. I thought it's not not a great one, is it? Christ almighty. Oh, I thought it was Monday. I've lost the plot. It's gone wrong. <laughs> Um, t- tell me about the conference. Oh I... yeah, so so I uh, spent this week writing and and recording um, my presentation for the Association of Pet Behaviour Counselors Annual Conference 2020. Mm. 
Um, I because I have been an APBC member. I've been a full member for uh, maybe five years. I'm just looking for my certificate and I can't find it. Maybe longer than five years. I can't remember. But I've been with them since um, uh, 2012. 2012. Uh, as a provisional member um and so i've been going to this annual conference for nearly 10 years and i'm only blooming on the bill now aren't i it's amazing <laughs> such an amazing 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 thing is to it, be asked to do is it one of those moments where like if you went back to nat sort of five years ago and if you, if now nat travel back in time to nat five years ago and tapped you on yeah. the wee shoulder not only would you have had a heart attack obviously but if she'd whispered in your ear hey you're gonna be doing the ABBC yeah, well concert. i would have like i would have disappeared immediately because you can't meet yourself because you just ruined the whole of history, it would have you? been a paradox yeah, yeah. Uh, plus i probably would have also said god you let yourself go a bit um <laughs> <laughs> would you have also gone beware the pandemic, <laughs> beware the pandemic. yeah Oh, yeah, we're definitely. Um, but is it one of those pinch yourself moments, though? Is it yeah, one of those? Completely. Completely. Would have never, ever, ever even thought that I would have anything remotely interesting to say. Wow. Proud of you, dude. So, thanks, man. We're supposed to be um, going to this online thingy, so I'll, yeah. I'll get to see it. I'll get to see it. Yeah. And I'll. Um, I'll scrutinise it. I'll write you um, all all of the criticisms. Well, we've all got to do a live Q and A, so you'll oh, see me you? live. But they're do- just so it runs smoothly. They're doing the bulk of the presentations um, recorded, which kind of takes the pressure off a little bit as well, um, in case there's technical difficulties and stuff. But I'll be there. I'll be there live for a question and answer session, um, do- and it's all on it's on uh, trauma and working with fear and anxiety and using Drax as a case study. And there are some brilliant other speakers as well. Um, I won't listen because I'll forget someone that would be embarrassing. But if you go to the APBC Facebook page, um, there's details on there about um, the conference. So I think there's about six speakers. It's on the 7th of June and um, I'm not sure how much it is, maybe 75 quid, something like that, but mm. all from the comfort of your own home. And we, I, we just, is Anne McBride speaking? Yes, she is. Yeah, uh, she just... is doing. How fascinating is this? I know we've seen her talk about rodents before, which was, it wasn't it brilliant when we saw yeah. her at Winchester. Um, uh, she's talking about um, attachment theory. Ooh. So she's relating kind of some of the child psychology um theories to raising our pet dogs and how relationship is really important she's incredible do you know whenever i hear someone say the words child psychology there used to be an advert that was like it was like for online learning when online learning first started an advert on circulation tv here in the uk and it used to and it would list out all the things you could do so like i don't know whatever but when it came to the bit where the guy would say child psychology his voice changed and it went child psychology and (laughs) Ever since you sound then, like um, <laughs> Brian, what's his chops? Brian, what's his chops? In the stars. <laughs> oh, yeah, Brian. Child psychology. <laughs> if you look to the centre of the galaxy. But, yeah, ever since then, any time anyone's ever said child psychology, I just, that, immediately, my brain does that voice. Wow. And I've got the same thing with the word settings as well. I had a Ford, uh, Ford, no, a Vauxhall Zafira recent, up until recently, um, and it had like a, and I'll, it came with a, a unit on it 
it's called a parrot or something where you're supposed to oh, plug yeah, your mobile phone. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so yep. it, I'd never, ever plug my phone into like it. Like for hands-free, hands-free exactly. mobile talking. And one day, it had been in the car for months, maybe even a year. And one day I was just sort of looking at it. I was just like, I'm going to press a press button. <laughs> and I pressed you're the button. Child. <laughs> and, and it went, and it did this. I'm not joking. It did this. It went, settings. <laughs> Like that, like like it was like running out of batteries. Like it made this like settings. And now whenever I hear the word settings, I can't not say settings. Like that. Brilliant. Uh, You wouldn't, well, you would believe because you know me, but you wouldn't believe how many times I pressed that button after that. Oh, yeah. Literally one after another. Karen, come here, Karen, come and listen to this. Yeah, your whole life is just making funny noises or or being fascinated by the noise something makes i do like noises you're you're an audiophile steve i do like noises love the noises um i wanted to talk about other things but let's save them because we're gonna um we are recording tomorrow we're doing we've done three three podcasts this week (gasps) get some in the in the bank um so i will save the things that i was going to talk about uh okay well obviously most of tomorrow's recording will be about my amazing wildlife moment that i'm going to have in the next 24 hours Mm, you're putting undue pressure on yourself (laughs) you you will not unwap (laughs) one up Uh (laughs) my god the buffering didn't work um, you will not one up my fox carrying its cub. No, across I mean the that's road. pretty special. In I this... mean, I've got an old. Okay. No. If I no. Don't no. Have a no. You're moment, not allowed. You're not allowed to read. One. No. You're not allowed to read. No. I have got an old one that that would actually one up that. Let's have a vote, listeners. Yeah, I've got several. I've got several. In I'm fact, sure I'll bring you them have. all out tomorrow. You're gonna you're gonna rob me of my foxy. Right. So we're doing Steve Mann's episode tomorrow. So for anyone <clears> listening to this now, tune in on the Steve Mann episode to hear the next installment. Three, possibly even five upmanship of Steve's fox cub moment. Never. <laughs> Never. Unless you live for a month in the mouth of a blue whale. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> Noah. Noah Light. <laughs> no, that's not right, is it? It was not Noah. Uh, Jonah. Jonah. Let's see, go. Right. You went all biblical by mistake. I went all biblical mistake. Right, okay. Um, shall, well, so... Who are we talking about today? What are we doing? Why are we here? What's happening? Well, they're very deep and philosophical questions. So I'm going to stick with the who are we talking to today. Let's go with that. Um, We are talking to Melissa McHugh McGrath. And I hope I've said her name right. Uh, She'll say it differently because she lives in Boston. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this. So she's going to validate my Boston language language. Yeah. So so basically what's going to happen is when we record the podcast. Oh, no, this is too fourth wally. Nah, so yeah. we, this is we, you're talk, we, you're listening to us now before we've spoken to Melissa, mm-hmm. and then when you listen, when you hear us again afterwards, we would have spoken to Melissa. And Steve has already said that he is a bit of a, a absorbent chameleon when it comes to accents. So I think we can compare what he sounds like before <laughs> Melissa and after Melissa. So when he comes back afterwards, he may sound completely different. This is going to be horrific. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, so, so we've got a bit of a time um, difference, which always makes my brain go a bit weird. Um, but uh, Melissa got in touch through the the, um, the Facebook page um, because she wanted to give us some suggestions for people to speak to, um, and we got chatting. And it turns out she she had only written a book herself, you know. Yeah, I mean, um, this was this was brilliant. This was the yeah. the best thing as it unfolded. It was incredible. I loved it. 
It was great. And the book, it just sounds absolutely amazing. It is, re- it is really good. And I'll tell you what's different. From, so when we first started this, the idea of this podcast, uh, me and Steve sat in the pub. Oh, pub. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's just take a moment to mourn the pub. I'm going to insert some oh. sad violin music here for a <laughs> yeah. second. Oh, the pub. You, you went in, you ordered a drink, sat some down. crisps. Yeah. Sat down. Okay, come on back. Anyway, um, back so in the we room. were in the we were in the pub and we made a list of all the people we would love to speak to and books that have kind of molded our career. And it wasn't extensive, but it was just a, a, a an attempt at who we would approach first. Um, and you know, at that stage, I hadn't even heard of Melissa and I hadn't even heard of her book called Considerations for the City Dog. Mm. And you know it's such a brilliant book this is exactly what this podcast is about it's not just about talking about you know the books that we all know and love and maybe want people um they want to find out a bit more to delve into but it's finding hidden gems like this um and I think the way I what I was thinking of when I was reading it is it's very much um a kind of real life guide, a bit like Louise's uh, "The Art of Introducing Dogs." Yeah, you know, um, it's it's really, 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 really good. So I'm looking forward to talking about it with her and with you, and yeah, delving into it. I'm, I've got a frame of Steve caveat up here. I actually haven't read it. Um, uh, it's 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 hard to do this lockdown thing. Now we're coming out of it, and we're all allowed a little bit more freedom. We can because what the main that normally share a book so. Um, what what I have done is I've done I've I've gone I've gone delved deep into uh, um, finding out all about Melissa uh, and stuff. So I've got some questions. You've for just the interview stalked her, haven't you? Yes, personally, I've, so <laughs> <laughs> cyber stalker. I'm a cyber stalker. Um, but yeah, I'm. Uh, well, yeah. So we're so uh, Nat's Nat's taken the taken the four on this one um so awesome <laughs> so should we move on to uh why read it section why read it let's yes. go why read it okay so why read this book um okay so the title is considerations for the city dog and there there are lots of nice kind of gems about living in a more urban environment um and how that might affect how you live with your dog um but i think there's there there's loads of stuff in there as well that applies to um all dog owners regardless of the kind of environment they live in so there's a nice little um blurb on the back i'm just going to read mm-hmm. um so this is not a dog training book there are thousands on the market already instead this book will supplement any science-based training regime it gives insight as to why dogs do what they do, but perhaps more importantly, it explains why people do what they do and why we must do better for the sake of our urban dogs. It really got me thinking, actually, uh, the, the title of the book, about the sort of specific considerations about living in that kind of environment. One of the blogs she wrote was about um, uh, dogs living specifically in New York, I believe. I think it might be New York. Maybe it was Boston. Um, but... It suddenly got me well as soon as I heard the like New York it got me into that sort of like busy streets traffic yeah. um yeah. apartments elevators you know all of the yeah. sorts of things that maybe our dogs don't have to come into 
come into contact with if you're not don't live in the in the hustle and bustle of a big city i wonder actually what the sort of um i might do a little edit and 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 do a fact check in steve in this one but i wonder what the percentage of dogs living in pet dogs living in cities versus outside of cities i wonder what the numbers yeah, are it'd be interesting I don't to know, know. i mean i guess you could find out um in the uk there's sort of that the pet census isn't there through the pet food manufacturers yeah. um, authority. Um, but it'd be interesting to speak to Melissa as well about kind of the culture of, of dog keeping over there and how it might differ to how we are. Uh, we live with our dogs here, but I mean, to give you a flavor of, of the kind of uh, detail that, that she goes into in the book, there's something on, um, I, might, I can't remember what page it was now, um, but she, she basically starts at the beginning of your journey. So mm-hmm. thinking about getting a dog um, and, and, you know, whether what exactly a responsible breeder is and um, considerations for your budget, et cetera, et cetera. And there was one bit that I just thought was, was brilliant. And I'm sure this all probably sounds like common sense, but as we know, common sense isn't always common. Um, <laughs> and so um, she goes through in the choosing a city dog section she goes through the kind of main groups of dogs so uh sporting dogs herding dogs toy dogs terriers etc and kind of gives a bit of a rundown of the likely genetic predisposition for behaviors and you know size and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um but then she also um uh, asks the reader to ask themselves questions like having knowledge of what your dog was bred to do and what's your current daily routine how's it going to fit what floor do you live in live Mm. on so she says do you want to help a 200 pound mastiff up and down the stairs (laughs) to the fifth floor apartment if he is unable to get up and go down the stairs due to arthritis or an accident yeah and you know it's just things like that that um it's almost like I was talking to Jay about it and I said, it's, it's like a Haynes manual for dogs ownership. You know, it's like all the little considerations that if we were going to do it properly, we'd be thinking about all of, all of these things. And again, that would give you, you know, if, if only people, you know, um, I mean, some people do, of course they do, but many don't uh, like take those sorts of things into account. And like you said, though, it might seem like common sense. It, 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 you, from the other side of the curtain, when you when you work with dogs and when you work with people and dogs, it does seem like common sense. But it, you know, if you don't know, you don't know. Like you know, yeah. I wonder exactly. why. That actually, little um, little bit of a spoiler. There's a good. Uh, there's a question. There is a question for us. Oh later. yeah, so we got some questions. Yeah, on the so page. we got the question. So thanks for everyone that's on question. But there's a question yeah, that kind you. of speaks to this about what why people choose dogs and what and what. So, okay. Um, yeah. So I'll yeah, a little bit to... of a spoiler there chatting about that so why read it again what it, it it just sounds absolutely fantastic i will read it and um yeah the, the... i think i think you'll really enjoy it mate I've, it's it's like um it's broken down really nicely as well so you can just kind of flit in and out um i'll give you a flavor of some of the chapters mm-hmm. so um and each of them are you know under 10 pages really so uh considerations for budget breeders shelters whether to choose a shelter or rescue dog or go to a breeder um entourage which is uh, something i want to talk to her about so mm. um talking about neutering uh whether you do sports how you find a trainer or a behaviorist and what exactly they 
they do and what it means um the layout of your garden if you've got other pets uh, if it gets hot you know there's a section on saying goodbye it's just really it's really good really really good i was really impressed i can't wait i actually can't wait there you yeah. go all right okay then so I'm, I'm so i'm guessing from that wonderful uh, introduction there that many things may have pricked your eye so to speak they may have okay should we find out i'm getting good at these segues <laughs> What's stuck in your eye? Couple of good things. <laughs> Couple of good uh, things. One um, is quite tricky to describe. Oh. Because she's done a really good Venn diagram. Do you like? Do you, do you know what a Venn diagram is? I like. I know what diagram. a Venn diagram. That's the that's the two circles of two sort of things and where they cross over. Yes, exactly. Is it named after? Was there a, a Doctor Venn at some point? Was there? I or presume yeah. so. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Um, uh, so this is in the trainers, consultants and behaviorists. Uh, what professional what professional help do I need for my dog? Um, and uh, what Melissa's trying to do is just uh, explain what all these weird, wonderful labels that um, are put on us as professionals and, you know, how we categorize our specialisms. Obviously, there's difference with individuals um but i don't know if you could can you could you see that ish i can't read it but i can see it so oh, basically yeah. what she's done is she's got a venn diagram she's got um certified behavior consultant is one circle certified dog trainer is another and applied animal behaviorist is another okay and she's yeah. written underneath what qualifications they are likely to have or accreditations and then they all overlap in the middle um to become a veterinary behaviorist okay right so you've yeah got all see. of those skills as a veterinary behaviorist yep. now what i found really interesting is this outlier yeah here where um she she calls them behavioralists um and she says um the guy at the dog park might suggest that someone seek out the assistance of a behavioralist, which is unfortunate because there's no such thing as a behavioralist in the dog world. That term is reserved for political science folk. Um, while I'm sure they're intelligent specialists, the behavioralist movement does not lend itself particularly well to dog training or behavior. Mm. Unless the behavioralist is also a certified dog professional, he or she may not have the expertise to help, uh, help a dog behave. Um, so it's just it's kind of demystifying some of the semantics and the terminology that we use. And yeah. um, she lists some of the organizations that she would, you know, encourage people to seek out. I just thought it was a really neat way of putting it, basically, because I think when we start talking about the difference between a trainer and a behaviorist and a veterinary behaviorist, sometimes comes across as a bit like this kind of hierarchical structure, whereas actually in a Venn diagram, it you know we're all equal we've all got different skills though yeah and those skills overlap in certain areas and it's so important for people to start for somehow to start getting this into the public consciousness isn't it because yeah uh it's it's, it's the it's the forever uphill battle maybe i don't know and um i'm not as qualified to speak on it as you are but i i you know you hear about people that take on people calling themselves calling themselves behaviorists and, and things mm. along those lines that have no skills or worse off than that are rooted in past 
knowledge, you know, ways ways we used to train dogs back mm. in the day and that kind of thing and doing untold damage. Um, and, you know, it's not really the the public's fault. It's a, it's a difficult thing at the moment. But, yeah, if we could just... Um... I, I don't think we're alone in our sector either. No. I mean, it just goes with the territory of, yeah. of having a an unregulated sector um, without protected terms. Mm. Um, you know, I could go and pick some flowers from the garden and stick them in a vase and call myself a florist, really, couldn't I? Oh, doesn't mean I'm any good uh, at it. <laughs> so there's an advert that comes up on um, on uh, uh, on YouTube quite a bit about and it's advertising Squarespace and it's a girl that's done her own website and she's it's a flo- I can't she describes herself as a floral something or other like I'm sure she's fancy. oh I've seen it yeah she's I mean? a floral designer or yeah. uh, in, internal foliage. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, a foliage distributor. <laughs> no, no disrespect to florists no, out there, by no, the no, way. No. Like you, uh, I, I try and do my own like uh, reefs and stuff at Christmas. I am useless, so um, <laughs> I can't even put a, a bunch of flowers that have been bought as a bunch of flowers in a vase and make it look nice. So it's it's a skill. That's what I'm trying to put across. You know, just because I've done something once doesn't make me but do you go do you go to the leaf distributor do you go to the florist do you go to the uh floral you know (laughs) artist do you you know it's it's all it's all very confusing isn't it yeah so you tend to just go for the person who looks like you know he's got the best website or the best this or the best that and that not necessarily is that the way you should go um Mm. with flowers i should probably move away from the flower analogy (laughs) a little bit but yeah it's important it is important you will hear us bang on about it um a fair amount um i you know i know you have very strong feelings on this nat um yes uh yeah so it's and um, i i have very strong views on it because i see uh the fallout and the the emotional sometimes physical and financial damage that Mm. uh people working out of their depth or working with unethical methods can do to people Mm. with their dogs and it, you know that's not hamming it up. That's that's true. You know we've we've all got stories that we could tell of you know things going desperately wrong. Um, uh, but unfortunately, as soon as you stick your head above the parapet, it gets shot down, and you get um, videos hashed about you, and you get bullied on social media, and you have to go and hide in a cave for a few weeks. Yeah. But then you pick yourself up. Dust yourself and off. And you come back stronger and Gra- you make a plan. Grab your knuckle you, dusters. You do. <laughs> yeah. Well, not intercourse or <laughs> I see, in fairness, you know, you say that. You see the fallout of, of people using these methods, these outdated, unscientific methods in order to try and help, in inverted commas, their dogs mm. or, pe- or clients' dogs. And, uh, uh and I don't like. I'm a, more of a pet dog trainer, so I I don't. It crosses over all the time, but I don't see as much as what you see of that stuff. What I do see is, you know, new dog owners coming because it's in the public consciousness. These sort of old fashioned ideas and things. I need. I see them already coming with that software uploaded in their brain about yeah. thing about terminology like dominance and things and all of those sorts of things. So, yeah, it, from all facets of it, all of it, it needs. It needs something needs to be done. Um, we need to. And- I think you know this is a this is a bigger conversation mm. than um, the now little podcast or or the dog training world really, but we all need to take some responsibility for 
critically analysing the world around us mm. and not falling for absolutely everything we get told to be gospel. Mm. Because depending on who is telling you it, where they've got it from, and the science behind all of that, you should either trust that statement, you know, not at all, or completely uh. and i think that's why i find it really hard to if you know if i ever get desperate and i have to nip into um a certain chain of uh dog animal pet product shops okay um <laughs> who will remain nameless i can't listen i have to put my headphones in because their staff are giving advice and um mm. I haven't heard particularly good things and uh you know they they sell they sell shop collars in there yeah you know and these are people but what I mean is someone that studied for you know 15 years I'm giving you a a, a kind of a well-read well-reasoned point about something I might say it in the same um kind of breezy way yeah. that the person at said shop is serving you on a saturday um but there should be a lot more weight behind you know the things that we are saying versus what someone else is saying and i don't think that is necessarily up to the sector to kind of say listen to these people and take these people with a bit of pinch of salt i think we all have to take responsibility uh, of looking at things with um a kind of critical eye yeah really yeah. i mean we're living in a political uh situation at the moment where we should all be doing that anyway um yeah but don't help though does it when uh, <laughs> our political leaders don't critically think about and uh, anyway we're going we're going down a wormhole here that we I know it's, that's bigger. it's really hard because it kind of sat it when you when you discuss things like this it kind of sounds like you're being maybe bitchy or petty about what someone else has said and it's it's i don't want it to come across like no. that what i want to, people to say is only you have the power to kind of um choose what you listen to and what you discount um and anyone that genuinely knows their subject and wants to help you and your dog will be very open to any questions you have yeah. about you know methods or whether to use a crate or not or you know all yeah. that kind of stuff um and also anyone that any professional that calls themselves a professional and is actively and openly shooting down other professionals on a personal level i just think that's so unprofessional yeah. and if i were their client that would ring alarm bells with me yeah there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Don't be a bully and stay away from. They're a very good company. They have very good training for their staff. Is that is that sponsorship out the window? Uh, no, I, I'll probably beep that out. <laughs> <laughs> right um uh yeah uh, the, brilliant um so that's nice as that's included in the book more more power to it i know there was um a talk of that as well in uh zazie todd's um book wag oh, as well really? and in fact every book we've in, uh, not far off every book we've covered uh, you know uh, it advises you to seek a certified 
professional you know yeah. dog trainer um it's there and, for um did, did did you hear uh zazzy got a shout out from susan friedman on um yes i think it was susan it might have been suzanne clothier at the lemonade conference i mean yeah 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 spinning in her seat that would have been so exciting oh it was amazing that lemon that's something we can talk about tomorrow the yeah. lemonade conference spoilers so yeah there you go right okay um so shall we um uh, move ourselves on to our next section let's go for it (laughs) okay so let's give you a little bit of a bit of background about uh, our next guest who is uh melissa McHugh mcgrath who i need to check the pronunciation of that name um (laughs) but luckily she writes about herself in her book so i'm going to read you some snippets here now some of them may or may not be relevant to her book or dogs but they were of interest to me (laughs) so uh, melissa grew up in an accidental dog sledding family in the small rural town of washington maine um, after her father inherited a dog sledding team Wow. She went, yeah, I know. <laughs> she went on to get her degree in psychology at Lake Erie College in Painesville, Ohio. That sounds cool. Every word um, of that, every word of that title sounded brilliant. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, okay. Um, though dogs are a huge part of Melissa's life, she also loves whiskey, her family, and traveling wherever possible. She also really, really loves tattoos, hates pickles. And can't understand why cucumber is a necessary necessary vegetable in vegetarian Mackey. Mm-hmm. I don't like cucumbers. Uh, I, lo- I love cucumber. Mm. Um, you can find Melissa blogging at muttstuff.blogspot.com. We'll send. We'll put a link in the thing, with Bobby. Um, or some permutation of that, if she ever grows up and gets her own domain. <laughs> She teaches disc dog classes in Reading, MA, Massachusetts. I was just going to get all excited. What, Reading? Uh, yeah, in Reading. Yeah, that is yeah, Massachusetts, no. yeah. No, the, the far away Reading. <laughs> um, she also teaches basic manners and puppy classes at River Dog in Somersville. Oh, nice. Um, at New England Dog Training Club in Cambridge and see students privately in their homes all over the metro Boston region. Boston. Unrelated to dogs, Melissa writes letters to her daughter, which can be found at letters to little.wordpress.com. Oh, wow. I'm going to check that out. Did you out. find them in your, no. your little cyber stalking of her? I didn't. I'm obviously, I'm, I'm new to this stalking business. I will be getting better. <laughs> so she sounds and is a very, very interesting person. There's a great um, story, isn't there? Hopefully, we'll get her to tell it um, about um, how she built up the courage to send a book to friend of the podcast uh, Patricia yeah. McConnell um, <laughs> it's a great story I, hopefully we'll, we'll, if I remember or if you remember yeah, that, yeah. we'll we try must, and prompt we must her to tell to the story because it's absolutely fantastic I was laughing out loud when I, when I heard that so she is joining us all the way from Boston shall we crack on apologies everyone if i do attempt any type of accents at any point as a small just just coming in here i never mean to offend anyone um i you know i i just can't help myself sometimes that's all that's all i will say um so apologies melissa in advance apologies ev- all the people of boston um anyone that might listen probably say that. Sorry, we do. okay should we let her in okay yeah let's go 
bedroom makes great audio, yeah. um, like pointing at signs. It kind of for this medium demystifies that you know we're all these crazy professionals. Oh no, we're, we're all in, we're all in very high tech studios. I've got a very strange like I've got behind me here. You can see some pictures. This. I like the pictures. I, I love like your, this. Your muffle. Hold on. I like your muffling technique with the, you like uh, the sweatshirt. Oh, yeah. He's got, he's got the proper kit. Yeah. yeah. Hold, <laughs> hold there a minute because I'm going to show you a picture. Hang on. This is great for the podcast as well, isn't it? <laughs> this, this picture here. Let me put my headphones back on. Bear with me. Talk amongst yourselves. Um, this picture here was given to me by my mum. It's an antique picture. Uh, I don't know if you can move my mum. I can see it. There, there's a bear. Or right. is that a... a Oh, that's not a bear. That's a pig. It's an old man in like a cabin, like surrounded by animals. It's Steve in 30 years. Well, this was given to me. <laughs> I'll, I'll take a picture of it and I'll put it up on the the thing I love the I best. Love I, I love this badger on the bed. That, yeah. So that would was... be considerations for the country dog. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be a nightmare, the, wouldn't the, it? Look at all those animals the in there. The log cabin dog. But that was given to me when I was very young. And, um, and I think I... When I was a kid, I used to look at that and think, that's exactly what I want to be when I'm older. Um, it's unfortunately, awesome. I actually just ended up with a Jack Russell in Newfoundland, not all of those animals. But, yeah. <laughs> well, one's basically a bear and the other yeah. could be a badger. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's got she's got the attitude of a badger. <laughs> that's for sure. Hang on, I'm going to put this back. Are you happy if I take a screenshot of us at some point? I promise oh, I sure. won't do it when we're like, should we do it now? Oh, we can all smile. Okay, yeah, like let's screenshot. do that. Hang on. I now have to remember which buttons I press. I was oh, all no, I was posing then. Straight away then. <laughs> the same. There we go. That's good. That's good. Okay. Um, so, first of all, can I check that I've said your name right with my very prim and proper British accent? Oh, I so can't I, wait. I have said Melissa McHugh McGrath. Correct. Okay. Ah, that go. is correct. I wasn't sure whether to draw out the A with graph. Oh, you can say it however you'd like. <laughs> I can't even say it right half the time. My daughter's name is Aislin. Um, and my husband and I had picked that name, like, because our last name is very Irish. And so I thought, well, we should stick to maybe a more traditionally Gaelic name. And we like the name Aislin, but in Ireland, they would pronounce her name Ashley McGraw. Uh, so yeah. it does it. So we Anglicized, we Americanized it. And so um, do you spell that AI like Ashleen? Like, uh, A-I-S-L-Y-N. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, because uh, Americans, we have to wise and everything where they shouldn't be. But <laughs> she has, um, but like for the first year, it dawned on me that we were each saying her name differently. <laughs> I was saying Aislinn and he was saying Aislinn. And yeah, so it's well, if funny you how- got, if you guys don't know then yeah, it doesn't really so matter yeah it doesn't I, matter so you can say my name however you want and i'll respond it's fine i still my, my, now um, say say corin's name my wife's name differently on occasions and okay you know it's like one of those words when you catch yourself saying it you're like it, it doesn't yeah. sound coming out yeah this sounds awful doesn't it i hope i hope corin doesn't listen to this but uh yeah i um <laughs> i yeah it's a corin and then corin and it sort of sticks in my mouth i'm like do i say it like that or do i say it like this and then i get all confused and then I just go and go and crack I open think a bit. I, and... Irish names are tricky at the best of times as well. My <laughs> my um my brother-in-law is Irish, and he and my sister have just moved back from Ireland. Well, a few years ago now, but um, yeah, the spellings of some of the people that they used to work with, and you see, I don't even know how to start pronouncing <laughs> that. It... <laughs> 
and it's always something completely different to what you've guessed so right <laughs> and it's funny being in Boston that like because there's a there's a, a huge population of of um, Irish immigrants in Boston and second gen Irish and mm. all of that and um when I take her to the pediatrician they will often say her name Ashley McGraw <laughs> and, and she's like that's not me I'm like uh, technically yeah <laughs> actually it is yeah we did it wrong that is actually your name now <laughs> live with it <laughs> yes <laughs> I've got a small confession to make Melissa it's a okay. tiny, tiny but small confession to make I haven't actually had a chance to read your book yet that's okay Nat You've been has busy. um Nat, Nat's we had, usually... we've been talking about it already so we've already done a little bit yeah. of the podcasting but we um, um we sh- we share a lot of the time but obviously we're not seeing each other as much as we usually do so remote. I've, <laughs> I've uh i've taken this one on and it was brilliant oh. by the way oh thank you but <laughs> really really good you, you may you may find this uh more comforting or actually maybe not comforting at all i have cyber stalked you quite quite well <laughs> so um you know there you go <laughs> he's going to do a presentation on you to you just a bit later uh, great okay. i can't wait to see the slides don't i hope you weren't sorely disappointed that there's no boston accent <laughs> it's a little bit there's a little bit there little, there's a little bit little. it's awesome it's funny because i'm from maine so i i didn't want to break that down <laughs> 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 i feel like the bar was set really high and if i didn't admit that i actually didn't have a boston accent but <laughs> i do have a slight obsession with boston accents mostly because I, um my i gathered <laughs> i love um i love bill burr the comedian um oh yes and yeah just so i've seen so many of his i listen to his podcast as well which he does so I've, i always love people that do solo podcasts he does like an hour yeah. of just talking to himself and it's- so i just i just hear I, I hear a lot of Boston accents in my life. Yeah. If you want good old school Boston accent, find the old car talk, sorry, car talk videos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was um, the same guy who did wait, wait, don't tell me the, the podcast yep. uh, or radio show and podcast. He also had produced car talk. Um, it was these two guys from Harvard. Um, <laughs> they were auto mechanics. So they're the the salty, yeah. like yeah. They, you would hear them like um, ask people like, oh, my car's doing this weird noise. Wah, 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 wah. They'd be like, oh, that's an alternator. That's the alternator. <laughs> you got to get that alternator checked. Um, and they would just, it, it just these two brothers and it, it's infectious. Their laughter and their accent. And it is a deep dive <laughs> into the Boston I'm accent. in. I'm writing that down right now. Car talk. Yeah. Car talk, yeah. And next time. I'm going to be doing more Boston accents. <laughs> so shall we? Shall we get into it then? Shall we? I got. Um, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Let I'll, I'll let Nat go with this because. Well, I was just going to ask uh, Melissa. I haven't said much about because um, you write about it in the book about what finally um, got all the words together in one place. Because that's that's what writing a book is is really having time to sit down and write it all, isn't it? Um, yeah. So. Uh, for anyone listening that's um, wondering how you got to that stage, could you give us a little bit of a rundown of, of um, how you got there, really, and how how I've ended up holding your wonderful book in my hand? So, um, in in short, um, I had a beautiful baby who slept a lot, so I was able to. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, and I was a stay at 
home mom for that for well I am again because of COVID lockdowns (laughs) um so it's just kind of revisiting but now she can walk and talk um but at the time um in my city there was a um a a dog attack where uh it's been such a long time since I've gone over this case but it was uh, a bully breed type dog had escaped uh an apartment on Halloween night and attacked a man a six foot four man walking his german shepherd not a small man not a small dog um and both the dog and the man ended up with level five bites and if you're familiar with the donbar bite scale that's bite uh i I, did you guys go to iabc there was a jim crosby was talking a lot about these bites and I haven't um, delved into Jim's talk yet. No. I, mean, I need to work myself up to it because I've heard it's quite a quite a so watch. So many but, um, people yes. have told me yeah, that needed, we need to watch it. I loved it. It mm. it was such a good talk, but it, he is not. Those bites are hard to mm. look at. Mm. But he does. He's a cop, so like I, I'm the daughter of a cop, so I knew going in like when he says gruesome, it's going to be above yeah. and beyond what most people think. Oh, that's yucky. Like this was grotesque but important to watch and so seeing these bites and and knowing and and seeing the pictures of the bites um on the victim um in my city I was like oh and then I went and I sat in on the case because there was like this um we should uh euthanize the dog the owner should be euthanized like the Mm -hmm. guys fake it like all like the internet got in the way and there was so much noise and and I just wanted to say, oh my gosh, like this is awful. I'm a professional. I work in this industry. Um, what is it that my clients understand versus what um, what we as professional dog trainers understand or people who work in this industry understand? And and those two languages, we're using the same language, but it's it's kind of like English, right? <laughs> like <laughs> I say trunk, you say boot. And we're yeah, saying yeah, yeah. we're right. So we're using the same words in different ways. Um and so with the with these bites, I ended up going, I got a friend, she watched my baby. I walked across the street to the courthouse <laughs> and I watched and watching these two lawyers on both sides using my language for my industry so wrong. Uh-huh. It was awful to watch and I and in there was an intermission and I went up to the lawyers I'm like you're you're doing this wrong and I I was just pleading with them like I don't care what I have to sign could you put me up there just so I can at least get the language right I was so hurt by like you the use of territorial aggression in an inappropriate way and socialization in an appropriate way and resource guarding and and this was not resource guarding this was a violent attack and um it was so heartbreaking to watch. And so when I watched that, I came back to my apartment and had some decompression time and a lot of whiskey. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, um, and then I went looking back through some of the blog posts that I had been compiling over the years. And there seemed to be a theme of like, what is it that my students understand? And what is it that me and my dog trainer friends talk about over gin and tonics? And there's, there were, there were these two, very distinct paths, the things that we wanted them to know, but the things that we kind of talked about behind their backs. <laughs> yeah. And that, and I'm like, there is a bridge here that needs to be connecting these two things instead of us and them. And how do I put them together in a way that is informative to a new dog owner, but supportive of dog trainers. And, and that was essentially this book. Um, 
I was just trying to get the lingo and the language right with this overlay of there's constant noise, which is stressful. There are all these people, there's all of this stuff um, mm -hmm. in a city, in an urban environment that makes even just basic understanding of socialization and, and, um, and dogs who are struggling, um, it makes it that much harder because the stimuli just doesn't stop. Yeah. Um, mm. so that was, that was it's, basically, I, the I presume it's like our fireworks night every mm -hmm. night, you know, all the time, um, um, in terms of busy traffic noise and that kind of thing. It's a very different environment. For, well, it is. We live too. in a 700 square foot apartment. Um, my dog is right there. My husband is in two rooms down in the office facing two highways playing trumpet. My daughter is in the next room watching TV. So like, even if we, if you were to take out the exterior noises, like that's a lot. Yeah. And then you open up the window where in an airplane, uh, usually you just hear airplanes going overhead every 35 seconds. Uh, we timed it. Um, <laughs> there's an interstate about 200 feet to my right um, from my front door and a, a parkway, a four lane parkway that goes through um, as a major throughway from the suburbs into Boston that is constantly packed. Even in COVID, there's been very wow. little traffic change on the, on the throughway um, right outside our front door. Um, and that's what our dogs live in on sidewalks that are straight. And so like, dog walking up to another dog in straight lines with tension in the leash. No wonder why there's so much leash reactivity and barrier frustration um, in urban environments. Cause it's, it's built for us. It's not, and they're invited. Dogs are invited to live here with us, but we often don't consider what that's like for them. Yeah. Um, and it's just so overwhelming. There's a I lovely, sorry, no, I'm jumping no, go, in go, go, Steve. There's a lovely bit, and I don't know if this is in the book because this is something I saw. We'll talk about um, your um, your blogs, your amazing blogs later on. But um, as I was cyber stalking you, Melissa, um, I came across a blog <laughs> that was all about, um, again, environments in cities. So there, there was a lovely bit about hallways. And as I was reading the whole, one thing I love about your blogs, by the way, is your use of pictures um, in them. But as you're talking about the hallway and you were saying when, when humans see a hallway, we see it as being convenient. There's doors off of it, all of this sort of stuff. And I was looking at that. And I was thinking, oh, that hallway looks like the hallway out of The Shining. And then when I scrolled down, there was a picture of the little boy on the bike. Out of the and I was like, ah. and I was like, that's such a great analogy. It's such a good way of looking at it because... You know, for us, the way we experience that, brilliant, awesome, way convenient, excellent. We know what's going on behind yeah. there. People live there. A to B. Dog walking mm. down there, absolute night, or could be an absolute nightmare. Yeah, it depends on the dog, and yeah. and I think truly what what the biggest, um, it, and this hasn't been studied as far as I know. And if I ever go back, go to get my PhD, this is what I would want to study. Is there a correlation between dogs who are uh, either have a predisposition for being noise sensitive, sound sensitive, um, whether it's socialization or genetics, um, and their ability to be successful in a city. Is there a correlation um, between the dogs that are already going to have a hard time with living in an environment like the city yeah. and their success rate? Mm. Because I, I, my suspicion is that there are many dogs that I've worked with here in the city that when the owners moved to um, more suburbia or rural environments, the dogs were fine. Mm. <laughs> like, 
I've, the dogs yeah. did well. I've got a friend actually um, who she used to be in a band in Brighton on the on the southern coast of uh, of the UK. Um, beautiful sea, but quite a lot of hustle and you bustle would love, going actually, on there. Actually, you would love. Yeah, Brighton. you'd fit right in and Brighton. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, awesome. it's really, it's a really cool yeah. place, and yeah, you, you'd like it. But she had intense yeah. sound sensitivity. I'm not sure what the exact, like, you know, how to describe it, yeah. but which is weird being in a band. But um, she has recently <laughs> moved to um, to Scotland to the west coast of Scotland. And she says everything, just everything is just gone. Like it's all just, it yeah. feels like she can actually focus and and experience things. A uh, sense of smell has gone into overdrive apparently, which is interesting. I know you're not talking you know, dogs to humans, completely different, but yeah, but yeah you can imagine, can't you? And I, I, I'll admit, I didn't really, until like thinking about this, having to sit down and think and reading a few of your blogs, it's kind of something that is, I don't do a lot of dog training in, in city environments. So it's kind of something that's kind of passed me by a little bit, having to consider that as a, as an option. So it really did open my eyes as well. So you get, I mean, if, if my friend, imagine that experience of all of that letting go for my friend, you can maybe similar things happen to dogs. And and that's a human who can yeah. process and, and analyze it and really put those dots together. Like imagine a dog, like, mm. Like that they can smell 40 feet under our feet. Mm. They can smell four basketball nets under the surface of the earth. So if you're living in a high rise and their their sense of hearing is so much more sensitive anyway, but if they hear those elevator machinery parts moving, they can hear people in the kitchen or if you're in a hotel, they can hear everything at the bar. Like I'm sure, like I wish my dog could like (laughs) report back. Like, (laughs) yeah. Um, What's what's that guy saying over there? (laughs) My God, he's doing what? (laughs) Like you could get so many great conversations, like gossip from your dog. Um, but they have this um, almost Superman like um, sense of smell. It's their superpower. They can see through walls with their nose. Mm. Um, so if you have an apartment and there's somebody walking upstairs or a toddler on a bike or even walking down that hallway, they can smell under the doors of every single one of those apartment doors. Um, they can they can smell stress on people. So like you have like a thousand families living in a building, they're going to be able to smell all of that. It's just chemical overload for these dogs. And then not to be able to go outside, like open the door and like run it off. No, they're always on a leash. Mm. Like, <laughs> mm. so you have to be creative to get them exercise and mental stimulation and being cognizant of the amount of external stimuli, whether auditory or, or, nasally factually but yeah it, it it's just there's just so much coming at them all the time and some dogs do remarkably well like exhibit a like he's out cold oh he's um, got he is and, living his best life <laughs> oh he is so happy like he's like you guys are all home Yay. (laughs) Whereas our, our border collie who was, who I wrote about a lot in this book, like she was heavily drugged and rightfully so she had a lot of behavior problems, border collie in the city, straight lines, people walking at her all the time and noise sensitivity. Um, She was really a hot mess by the end. And, and we did the best we could for her, but like, she just didn't have what she needed. And she would have been, she would have fallen apart with all of us home and not having a break. Whereas him, he's like, 
oh yay yeah. <laughs> my my food pillar here and i can snuggle on their, <laughs> their pillow i think that we I did th- lose a lot of weight at the beginning of this because like he used to get kongs like when i would yeah. walk my daughter to school and back and he like i'm looking i'm doing a video for my students and i'm like okay so let's see if we can weigh our dogs this is your training challenge and i had a little scale and i put them on it and i'm like that can't be right. I'm looking at it, looking at him. I'm like, oh no. And I'm thinking he's really sick. He's got cancer or something awful. And then no, I did the math. Like he's missing like a third of his caloric intake and had for four weeks because I haven't been walking my daughter to and from school. And he wasn't in a crate with a con. (laughs) I've put two thirds of my caloric intake on through um, alcohol. Yeah, me too. uh, There you go. (laughs) It's math. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Um, that reminds me another quote of yours that um that I picked up on as well about the straight lines you're talking about. So maybe you can you can go into a little bit of um a little bit more about this. But um I love the quote, straight lines are essentially the third circle of hell for dogs. I like they that. really yes. are. <laughs> um, they are. So do you talk a little bit about the straight lines, you know, why why they might be so so much of a problem, um, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, so if you just think about basic dog um when you watch two dogs go to greet each other, they they do that nose to butt dance, that like that thing that everybody's like, ew, like, but the <laughs> dogs are like, this is how they, they say hi. Like there was this great, I think it was a far side cartoon or, or an animation of some sort where it was um these dogs in a circle and underneath their tail, it says, hi, my name is Sparky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dogs are all like walking in a circle. Um, but, but that's how they like going head on dogs walking head on. That's, incredibly arousing usually in not a great way unless the dogs already are familiar with each other so if you take that back to these hallways and these um sidewalks and you have two dogs um let's just pretend that they're not even on equipment and somebody's holding them back let's just say they're walking straight at each other without any other input that would be incredibly frustrating and scary and basically like the MMA, like, let's go, like (laughs) for two unfamiliar dogs walking straight on each other. Um, And then you add, if a dog is on a buckle collar, you've got two owners pulling back or a dog pulling into that collar. Um, I I had mentioned that I grew up, my dad was an officer and um, I got to be around these guys when they trained their canines Mm -hmm. for police work. And one of the coolest things that I got to see was like how they train these dogs to go after the guy with the bite sleeves. Yep. The way they do it is they grab the collar, usually a, a choke chain or a prong, which is a bummer. But so they point the dog at the thing they want them to go at. They pull back. So they're basically taking like they're choking the dog. They're stressing it out. The dog is now laser focused on that thing. And it's that thing's fault. I can't breathe. And then when the cop lets go, the dog becomes a bullet for that thing. So they're not making the association between the person pulling back on the collar. They're making the association with the thing that they're looking at. And now they can't breathe. And because they can't breathe, they're not bringing in information correctly through their nose. They're using their mm. eyes a lot more and it starts the adrenaline process. So when they let the dog go, it's a bullet, grabs onto the bite sleeve. It's great if you're a cop. It's bad if you're a suburban mom (laughs) like carrying your groceries right but it's the same dynamic that like they're being pulled back and they're lunging into their collar or you're pulling back 
and then they see that other dog walking at them already is threatening. And then you're adding that extra little bit of pain or discomfort or whatever. Some dogs figure out, oh, this is just a stupid human, stupid human things. I just let it go. But a lot of dogs in the city can't because it's so it overrides almost every one of their instincts to lunge and, and make that threat, that discomfort go away. Um, and that's just with a buckle collar. Now you add a prong collar or a shock collar or a, a choke chain. And it's a recipe for, for disaster. Um, the, the chest attached harnesses, they're better because it turns the dog away. So it can at least kind of fake the, the dog coming at them a little bit, but you still have to do the work. You still have to get dog's attention. You still have to work on, on trying to navigate a, a sidewalk that's maybe four feet wide. Like we can't, we can't effectively social distance with six feet. Um, mm. In the States, they're saying six feet. I, I don't know what they're telling you guys. I don't know how to translate that because we're, we got the, we're two the meters. Awful. That's what we're after. Two, two meters. Two meters. Yeah. 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 Two meters. So we can't effectively social distance at six feet or two meters on our sidewalks because they're not wide enough. Mm. So wow. if we can't do that as humans, how are we supposed to do that mm. with dogs walking yeah. down many of these narrow side streets? So usually I'm just crossing the street constantly that kind of starts that cycle doesn't it because then the owner is pulling back more to keep their dog closer to them so that they can keep the distance from the other dog in nor mm -hmm. in normal times not when we're socially yeah. distancing and so it intensifies the reaction from the dog and i guess Yay, if traffic, oppositional if, reflex yeah <laughs> if, if traffic's heavy and you can't just jump across the road, yeah. then you're stuck, aren't you? Yeah. Um, so we we talk a lot of, in urban environments about trying to get to, like looking at what's around you. So if there are two parked cars, can I get between them and put yeah. my back to the passing person with the dog facing facing me in, in my uh, primary reinforcement zone right in front of me, looking up at me, my back is to the other person sending a clear signal, do not engage, and they can walk by. I can use stoops or stairways or alleys. I can use... Mm. Um, other yards and find it games. Actually, find it works great for Captain because he's half hound, and uh, uh, we've seen a lot of success by using some nose work style uh, redirection um, because now you have uh, a dog who's sniffing at the ground, heads up to a Rugas. But having like getting a dog to sniff as another dog is walking by, that's reinforcing to one dog, it's taking the pressure off the other. And even if that other dog is bark, 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 if that dog is reinforced by the game of sniffing and finding things, they're also picking up food. So they're like, ooh, that barking dog means I get to find something in the grass mm -hmm. if there's grass. Um, so it's it, it, it really is a challenge. And as a handler in, in a more densely populated area, you are constantly on alert. You are like, just like our dogs are, but like we're mm. looking, because that a dog? How do I cross the street? How do I do this? And that's with a dog who's not reactive. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It all sounds must, very stressful. Yeah, you must come back <laughs> exhausted. It, it, I did a bit of work with um, medical detection dogs. And when we're doing the kind of public access for the dogs, the dogs have to be on it the whole time. You know, they can't mm -hmm. be uh, sniffing around and, you know, having a nice mooch like we would with our pet dogs. And Great. I always came back a bit brain frazzled from those because you're just, you're on the whole time, you, you know. Um, and when you're on the whole time, you really appreciate the, uh, the benefit of mental stimulation in our dogs. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. you can see how tiring and exhausting it can be. So when you, 
Um, and, and the thing is like mental stimulation, I, I really hit a lot of that home in considerations for the city dog, but it's not just for urban dogs. It's for all, like nothing in this book is just for city dogs. It's just a little bit more necessary for city dogs, but like the, the mental stimulation, like if you're, if you're an introvert, you're using all this energy just to go to a party with your partner, like that, that can be yeah. overwhelming and exhausting. Like if yeah. you're uh, doing the medical detection stuff and you're on all the time, like mm. it eats a lot of brain power. Um, I, had it, I had it yesterday after like three online consultations and yes. it's a different thing, isn't it? It's a completely different. So I, I, I'd have my headphones on um, so I could hear. So the sounds a lot more. I'm hearing it in a different, all the, all the, audio is different going into my brain i'm concentrating on the computer screen and i had three online consultations one after another at the end of it i was absolutely spent my eyes were sore yeah. and my voice had gone because mm-hmm. i'm I still shout i don't know i don't do it on the podcast but for some reason i'm all <laughs> like, hello can you hear me you're right not that bad <laughs> i'm just, just voice. Yeah. still still you can still voice. come to me yeah. i'm not, I'm not gonna shout at you <laughs> But yeah, I, it was amazing how much it took it out of me, um, you know, and and, you, and then you're trying to think, I'm trying to write down, trying to take notes as we're going along, thinking, and, and, and suddenly I thought, yeah, and, and made me think exactly the same thing, Melissa, about sort of how much mental stimulation can actually tire you out. I mean, I didn't feel tired in a great way, I'll be honest, but, um, it, but you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a really important consideration. Yeah, when you think about, like, even just doing this new skill of Zoom training or or online classes, like it is a new skill because now you're also like futzing with technology. Like, why isn't this working? Or can they hear me? Or like, and you still might be gesticulating and mm. like somebody walks across. Like there's so, it, it, it's so, yes, like the things that we're saying are kind of rote if we're doing like a manners class, yeah. right? But when we're in a field or we're in a classroom, we, we kind of have our patterns and we kind of mm. look and we can kind of go on autopilot, but we're looking for problems to solve. Mm. Um, and, and we can solve them in the moment or send an assistant over. But now, like when we're in these Zoom classes, it's just us. We're looking at little windows, like, am I missing something? So you're not really hearing if you have the mute on, you're not getting any of the hearing. So you're using all visual. Um, you're, you're using your, your, input processes very differently than we would or we're relying too much i think on our eyes and learn and also trying to figure out this new technology than we would if we were in real life so it is much more exhausting mm. i think in in general as a species we don't have much of an awareness of our senses you, you know um and and i think that relates to how we then think about dogs and how dogs perceive the environment because like you were saying before you know they they are taking in information all the time about the surrounding environment um whereas we might be able to you know close our eyes and shut off and think of something else um right. it's it it's easy to then see how dogs can easily become overwhelmed or end up with chronic stress disorders or you know all the other weird wonderful things that we end up going in and and talking to our clients about and we tend to think of it visually right we're like Mm. oh my dog saw a man with a hat or my dog saw a garbage can on its side and the wind knocked it over so it was something he saw or heard because those are how we perceive the world but like what deodorant was that man wearing? Maybe yeah. it was that. Like yeah. maybe it's something that we can't even perceive. Perceive. Mm. Per- 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 <laughs> <laughs> 
So I'm ready for my second cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about it. Earlier on, I thought it was Monday. So, hey. Yeah. (laughs) We're all all, all over the place. It's okay. My seven-year-old, last night, she's like, Mom, what even is time anymore? And I almost (laughs) died. (laughs) That's so, that's so, that's on the money, that is, isn't it? She's like, what even is time anymore? And I'm like, I don't know. And I had no answer. I couldn't. Like, she sounds like a budding philosopher. Yeah, there you go. He is so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, that sort of t- takes me kind of neat, well, neatly on to asking you. So, how would. What's the answer to this then, would you say? Because obviously p- picking the right kind of dog, um, p- you know, taking into account breed, personality, all of those things. Um, also, and you know, just slightly controversial here. I don't know. So so everyone don't, don't pile on me, people with emails and things. But is it <laughs> moral to put a dog in these sorts of environments? Is that... Is, right? Yeah. I think... I think the thing that's interesting is we people as, as the way I like to think of people is we tend to be reactive in nature. So people don't tend to realize that they've done something until they've done it. So like me, I brought a border collie into the city, like, and I didn't realize that was a bad idea until I was already in a lot of trouble or she was also in a lot of trouble. And then like going back and trying to think like, how could I make this better? And then it's like trying to fix things on top of other fixes where, so I think, um, and then like when we got captain, we're like, has to be bomb proof to noises, has to love children, has to like find them in a city. So like, I think part of it is like just having people speak about their experiences of having animals in the city and what works and what doesn't. I think obviously being cognizant of the kind of dog that you bring into this environment um, and how stressful that really is. And just kind of having that in the back of your head when you're getting these dogs. And honestly, I think like um, the reason I even put anything at the beginning of this book about how to choose a dog for the city. Like I, I didn't choose Sadie to live in the city. I moved to the city and she came along with me, which mm. is actually most of my clients. Mm. I've been here long enough that she has passed on and we got another dog. And then I'm like, Oh, we live near two highways. We live here, here, here. And like really trying to figure out like what our special unicorn dog would be. And, and it took us, we had three different dogs in this apartment and, and each of them flunked out until we got captained and he just like slept through the radiator, boom on, or like Ace and her friends, like running through the apartment and he just slept through it. We're like, that one, (laughs) that's the one that will probably be okay here and not not just tolerating it, but loves it. Like, and that is a hard thing to think about. Like, cause we yeah. think our dogs love us, but they might not love the environment. Like Skinner, like he was all about like environment, like the environment on the, the specimen, the environment on this. And we never really thought of it in terms of like urban. Like we just thought about mm-hmm. it in terms of like, is it warm or cold? Is there like yeah. some stimulus in the environment? But like, if you just read it thinking, about the actual literal environment, mm. he was spot on. And I don't think we had the big picture view of that. Um, and so if you go back and read any of his stuff about environmental impact on dogs and really think about it in terms of the effing city, it yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
but that's why I had those three chapters at the very beginning. I knew people were not going to pick up this book before they got a dog because people are reactive. They tend to get books after they've already committed to getting a dog or they have one in their home and they need help. Um, I put those in so that way while they're reading it, they'll see that those chapters are there. Maybe read it, maybe not. But then their brother-in-law gets a dog. They're like, read this book if you're thinking about it. That's why I put those there. They weren't intended for the person getting a dog. They were intended for the friend of the person who is thinking about getting a dog. And I think that hops back to what you were saying at the beginning with that kind of um, crevasse, the gap between what we know people need to know and what people think they need to know uh, when they're getting a dog. So the traditional dog training, you know, sit, stay, stand, all that kind of stuff. Um, And the more you work with people and their dogs, and especially in puppy classes, because you see it, you can almost see that dog's life panning out and what's going to go wrong. What isn't currently working? What might be an issue once that dog gets to adolescence? And it's, it's really, really, I find that the trickiest message to put across without mm. sounding like Blooming Debbie Downer, voice of doom. <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I totally hear you. Yeah, um, But, you know, it, and I don't think necessarily those line of communications will ever fall on, on open ears because they haven't experienced the issues for themselves yet. Right. So all we can really do is, is remain open and say, keep talking to me yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm there when this eventually happens um, when when this pans out <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna say I told you so yeah, exactly but yeah. I'm yeah. here <laughs> like, yeah yeah I I do think that it's it's fascinating that the messaging that we've been able to do as dog trainers for the however many years there have been dog trainers you have to train your dog. 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 But we always forgot because I think we never, I think many of us actually recognize that dogs have emotional, a broad emotional, what's the word I'm looking for? Spectrum. <laughs> range. Spectrum. Thank no, you. A wide emotional spectrum range. Um, I think we dog trainers, at least positive reinforcement science science dog trainers, we knew in our heart, in our gut, that they had emotional range. Science said otherwise. Punitive trainers say otherwise. Like, that, they, they can't feel this if I pop their collar. Mm. They can't feel it. It's, mm. it's just a little tingle. It's just to let them know. So, like, the messaging has been ignore the emotion, ignore the pain, ignore, ignore, ignore. And now there's a a swell of people behind saying, actually, no, 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 no. They feel, they feel pain. They feel emotions. They feel this. And now you've got these two very vocal things happening in, on the internet, on every, in literally every facet of society, let's be honest, but like, but in dog training specifically, you've got these two kind of camps that are like, they either feel things or they don't. We can acknowledge science or ignore it. Um, we can ignore science for the N of one. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but with us now speaking and trying to get the messaging out, I think the people behind the dog owners today are going to get that message sooner yeah. and be able to, instead of focusing on the obedience that sits downstairs, they'll be thinking on, oh, is my dog emotionally handling this? Is my dog okay with this? Like the idea of socialization 
the way that we trainers understand it. It's this window between blah, 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 and blah, 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 weeks and blah, blah, blah. And these are the things that you do to make sure that your puppy feels safe. Um, that's socialization for us, for our students. It's ring, ring. Hey, um, I'm interested in being your client. I have a four-year-old shepherd mix. I just got at the shelter. I want to socialize him with other dogs at the dog park. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I think the more we keep talking about like what, what these words mean, what, how that, how we see this terminology, how they see this terminology and not say you're wrong, but say that was what, that's what you think this word means. I understand that. Like we tried to quote socialize our dogs when we were kids. We, I get it. But what we mean when we say this is this. Mm -hmm. And so what you're talking about is a social experience. Your dog may or may not want that. And here's why. Um, and the more we can actually just kind of tip our hat to the um, existence of emotional bandwidth in dogs and their range and what they're feeling and what our responsibility is as, as their caretaker, I think we're going to start to see less and less of the... Um, the ignoring of the facts of, of, of what, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of moving away from you need to train your dog to you need to train your dog to live with us. Yeah. Yes. You know, I, they and need I to see feel that. Safe. Yeah. I yeah. see that change happening. Um, and, and it's still going to take some time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and we're never going to get everyone, but I think if we can, change the messaging from you need to do sit down stay which is what they want mm -hmm. to okay we'll add this in but we're going to make your veterinarian's life easier by really showing you what body handling is like mm -hmm. um and that's the good thing i think about this whole like zoom class thing and enforced social distancing i think a lot of people were nervous about socializing puppies yeah but as an urban dog trainer where everything is so overwhelming, you have to take the time. You can't just take a nine week old puppy to kid drop off anymore and have yeah. 700 children going, I love the puppy. <laughs> like, and the, and you don't have that. So they have to make plans to see a kid at a distance or sit and treat as people are walking by or focus on like putting YouTube videos on real, this is what I'm going to do in my puppy class next week. YouTube videos of thunder, very, very low. Treat, 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 treat. Like, and start working on the audio landscape and the physical landscape and, and body handling and all that stuff that we really wish we could do in a puppy class. Mm. We now have the opportunity to do, I think, with these Zoom classes. Um, That's really and I, I kind of hope that we don't yeah. forget that when we go back to whatever yeah. normal looks like. It yeah. is really interesting because I was thinking this just the other day because when, when this pandemic and this lockdown hit, in the UK, I'm, I'm probably the same in the States, I would imagine, there was a big panic about we're going to have a generation of unsocialized dogs. It's going to be a nightmare out there. And actually, come stand, standing back off of it, I was wondering what I've done the kind of things that I've always wanted to do with my puppy mm -hmm. classes, the things that I've been really desperate but I've kind of sold it as a don't worry about this because we can do this in a kind of way. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I do. And I really, I really... It'd be interesting to see now, you know, now we're coming out and now, you know, well, hopefully fingers crossed coming out the other end of it in our country. Um, it will be interesting to see what this generation of dogs is actually like. Are they, are they actually more um, 
socialize and in inverted commas with with the things that normally gets missed noises you know environments yeah. you know, all of that you know, have people have people been more focused on that because they think they're missing something else be right and i think there there's going to be two things that happen i think um i think what's going to happen is as soon as the doors open and people can get to dog parks yeah. um mm-hmm. you're going to see a lot of injuries you're going to see a lot of like frustrated dogs who haven't seen other dogs or run or whatever and like well-intending owners oh sparky really needs exercise and go and 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 i think that it's different here we have like these fenced off yeah usually pretty Mm. small areas where like the owners are just taking instagram pictures or drinking coffee or socializing themselves and the dogs are whatever they're doing um so you can see the like charged dogs running into these dog parks and and there's the the likelihood I think is going to be increased mm. of significant injury and and issues. That said, um, I think for the puppies, if we can talk to them now while they're in puppy class about like, you guys have this great opportunity yeah. to not put your dog in that position. Um, here's what I want you to do. We've got three of you guys who live pretty close to each other. Well, let's do four because three is usually a bad idea. <laughs> but let, let's put four of your puppies together in a room and see what happens. Um, and we can do this safely. And then we can pick you four, do this with you guys on a different day and really structure it in, in a safer way without the flooding that is bound to happen. So I think if we can get past the the, the flooding stage yeah. that is going to happen with every dog, like doesn't matter how old or young, everything is just like people are going to think that when we go back, it's going to be a light switch. Yeah. Um, and so boop, back to normal, everybody out or back to work or whatever the case may be. But like these dogs, there's going to be the the light switch and a lot of may- <laughs> mayhem and vet bills. But I think the puppies are actually going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, I love in, in your book when you write about the entourage and the importance of, you know, people around you that are like-minded and all, all the, the questions that you would ask about whether, whether your dog is, um, whether it's a good experience for them to go to a dog park or to doggy daycare. Um, and I kind of described it to Steve as, as like the Haynes manual of dog ownership, because it really goes through all of these things, you know, that seem like common sense. But as we see every day, people get steamrolled into situations where, you know, they maybe make a misjudgment. And, and again, because we're a reactive species, we only realize afterwards and we may have caused uh, some serious damage there. Um, and yeah, it was good to read through the the bullet list you've got about um, doggy daycare. And none of my dogs are appropriate for doggy daycare. <laughs> I, I knew that anyway. I know, and I would never consider it. But reading that, I was like, "Yep, I good call. Good call. Good job, Nat. <laughs> yeah. No, but way to be your dog's advocate. No, but I think, I, and again, I think a lot of these things come from good intentions oh, right so yeah. owners yeah. want to do the right thing for their dogs they love their dogs they feel bad they're gone for eight or ten hours a day they want their dog to have a good time they want their dog to have their exercise needs met they want their dog to have buddies does the dog <laughs> like, yeah um so i think really looking at it like okay is this dog a per- yes daycares can be great hmm. for a particular kind of dog and if you have this dog you're not a bad 
you're not a bad owner if you choose not to do daycare because mm. it's safer for your dog. And here are some other options. Mm. I think where we get into trouble is that owners think that there's only one option because that's either all they know or what they've heard or some guy at the dog park told them that they had to do X, Y, Z. But I think if we can just say like, here are all of your options here, here are all of the solutions and here are some other things that you can consider and know your dog isn't going to be upset that he's missing a party. You might have an introverted dog. That's just like, no, 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 really put me in my crate for six hours. <laughs> I need it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like please. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't get this good looking just by being awake all day. Come on. <laughs> exactly. That's what my lecture groove says. That's his, that's his life. He's like, look, this hair just doesn't happen. You know, um, like you gotta sleep. I mean, yeah. he's still sleeping guys. Like this is not, so, uh, he's on my it. husband's pillow. And... I love, I love it when I catch my dogs with their little heads on the pillow. Oh, look, at <gasps> Penny hasn't even got a bed. She's, oh my she's goodness. She's just like, Dad, I would like to go outside. <laughs> She's doing a bed <laughs> fail just... now at the moment. Bed fail, bed fail, yeah. Oh, hello. Uh, I think, um, so Susan Clodius, uh talk at the weekend, the Lemonade Conference, you know, she she comes back to it every time, as, as you have as well, about the individual dog, the individual dog. For this dog, this is mm. what's needed, you know, and not in a way that um, we're kind of, grabbing things here there and everywhere that we might not seem um deem ethical but in a way that you know yeah daycare for this dog is not appropriate but for this guy over here he has a whale mm-hmm. of a time yeah. He, you know sure. yeah he's having a grand old time <laughs> yeah so i think yeah it's it's you know maybe part of our job is kind of dispelling the myths of all dogs are social and all dogs want I mean they are a social species and we always say that but they're you know so are humans and look how differently we all socialize yeah. we're not at all at the moment yeah um, you know the idea think of like a, a, of activities as a point in time that lasts forever all mm. dogs love the dog park forever and I like to remind my students that at some point you stopped going to the little kid park for fun, going down the slide. Yeah, um, I didn't. You, my per- <laughs> well, see, yeah, see, <laughs> Steve would be the golden retriever at the dog park who's thirteen yeah. with a ball going, "Hey kids!" Like, um, but for the rest of the dogs, usually around adolescence, you see like there's usually a huge drop off of dogs that are like, "I'm having a good time. I'm having a good time. I'm having a good time." To not having a good time. Um, and for many reasons, it could just be like, if they were humans, they'd rather, I don't know, maybe they were like the, uh, the kids that would be <laughs> prefer to sneak behind the school and smoke. Like, I don't yeah, know. Like, yeah. Or they would go to the library not. and do some extra studying, you know, right. we, we all kind of develop into our own, our own people. Mm. And, and I think dogs do the same with their, uh, their personalities. And I, I see a lot of dogs, um, that are kind of hitting the adolescence. So maybe from 18 months uh, up to about three, um, Mm -hmm. and they've got into one or two scraps, not any, no damage, nothing, just, you know, and they've been used to going down the park, meeting up with the same people, all the dogs Mm -hmm. race around, brilliant. Everyone goes home, everyone's knackered. Um, and suddenly their dog is the one that's telling the other dogs to off, you know, and they, they come to me thinking they've got an aggression problem. And yeah. like, no, this is not, look, look at them with, with my adult dogs. They're all mooching. There's no issue. It could be the arousal rate. It could be so many yeah. things, but here's, 
here's what I think it comes down to for the people and why they seek out help. I think there's, there was this saying, um, there's no bad dogs, only bad owners. And I think a lot of owners take it very personally when they think that theirs is the dog that's bad. Yeah, completely. Or theirs is the dog that's acting maybe completely appropriately because the dog is overwhelmed and saying, just, I need five minutes or mm. I don't enjoy this activity. But because we tend to think in reactivity ways, right? Like my dog snapped at a dog at the dog park. He has an aggression problem. Well, mm. what were the what was the situation? What was the situation? That's our job is to ask those questions and to mm. figure out really what happened. Our students, our clients, they they are not professionals. They're not dog nerds like us. They're dog nerds about their dog. <laughs> like, yeah. We, we have to look at the bigger picture and find a way to explain it to them. But I still think that going back to what I was saying before, I think we trainers, and, and I think podcasts like this is a great way of doing it, which I'm so happy to be on it because like the things that you guys talk about, I think every client student should hear it. It's so hard to be a dog owner and all of the societal pressures of you have to do it right. Yeah. And then their dog ends up either pushed into a situation where it's not comfortable because the owner thinks it's doing the right thing, their intentions are good, or they call us and say, my dog has an aggression problem or the dog appropriately snapped because it was just over thresholds. Like mm -hmm. it, we're there to help them understand those nuances, but it's so hard when you feel that you're the person with the quote, bad dog. Yeah. And and I wrote about Sadie in this book a lot about like, I wanted to scream from the rooftops that like, I, she's not a bad dog. She doesn't like people charging into her face. I can't blame her. If I was sitting on a subway and some stranger ran up to me, was like, Hey, and like tried to touch my face. I bite him too. Like, <laughs> um, and I would not apologize for it. No. <laughs> but um, but I think there's something to be said for our dogs have to be good all the time. All the oh time. My have goodness, to be the yeah, model the, dog because the this is what we see on Animal Planet. This yeah. is what we see. This is what my parents' dogs were like. This is what blah, 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 or my neighbor's dog or that dog at the dog park. Everybody else has a good dog, but my dog is bad. And it can feel so isolating mm. um and it and the pressure and all of it and and i just want clients to hear that they do not have a bad dog they have a dog and yeah. we are here to help yeah um that there it, there are bad dogs i've met a few a-hole dogs <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part um it's the owners are doing the best they can with the tools they have we need to give them a bigger toolbox and podcasts like this can help do that Oh, I hope so. I really hope so. Can to use that as a quote. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah <laughs> please. It, it's it's normalising all of that social pressure, isn't it? And you know, you've you've definitely you've hit the nail on the head there. The the guilt, the the looks, you know, and then people with reactive and in inverted commas dogs yeah. have a really hard deal. You, you know, yeah. because every time they go out their door if they're on regular walks you know some of my clients have been in tears because they've been you know 
given daggers by people mm. that their dogs have because barked the at. Other person. It's not yeah, a big the deal. They bark. Their person is looking no. at them like you have a bad dog. Exactly. Yeah. And that is a lot for somebody who's trying their best to take up. Like, he's not a bad dog. He's a great dog. Like he snuggles my yeah. kid. Like, and then when you add like straight lines and mm. everything else on top of it and still expect that dog to behave like a robot it's not going to something has got to give yeah yeah this segue i'm getting really good at doing segues but this segues perfectly into into so you are writing written writing written a new book melissa i Ah, am ah and and we were talking then about sort of uh maybe being a bit more sympathetic to to owners and things along that line And, and it's all about your new book if i'm right in saying is all about um what they didn't tell you about being a positive <laughs> reinforcement trainer. And I think one of the big things, this would be my, this would be, um, you, you, if you want to, I know Nat's after a chapter in your book as well, but if you want to put one for me, um, it would be, um, it would be um, how much you have to communicate with people if you want to be a dog trainer, um, you know? Correct. And that is a huge part of it. Mm. That is a huge part. Cause like, I don't know about you guys, but like a lot of my interns or assistants will come in or mentees. I, I see you've got the do no harm Victoria Stillwell shirt. I'm a, I'm a faculty advisor for her. <laughs> um, so I, when I get students, um, they almost always start with, um, I love dogs. I love dogs so much. I really want to work with dogs. I hate people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, but oh honey, like let's have a chat. you have to love people as much as dogs and you have to have sympathy and compassion for these people because like when all is said and done the way you're going to help that dog is by helping the people like there there is no shortcut you can sure you can take that dog and help the dog directly but it has to go and live with that person who has to understand what's happening so you Mm. have to be able to communicate with people um yeah i also um... wish i knew more about that how many times i would have to say humping (laughs) <laughs> in a room full of like seven-year-olds that also was not in any manual i read before getting my my certification <laughs> so much humping yeah <laughs> talking about bum bum sniffing humping pooing yeah all of those things i, I still because i'm completely desensitized to the, saying the word arousal and right? the amount of times i'll just i'll just say it and then you get not sexual arousal we can talk about that if you want to i'm talking about something slightly different it's usually like the teenage son or something like she said arousal i was gonna say i I, I always apologize now if i do snigger okay (laughs) i don't So come right, come on then. You need to tell us because uh, I read two amazing things yesterday um, about when you sent a book to. I always do this friend of the podcast, Patricia McConnell. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so tell tell us a story. You sent your book, this book, yeah, this book. Yes. Right. So this this is one of my favorite. I'm sitting around a pub and talking to friends stories and. <laughs> And it's really funny to hear her side of the story too. Should, like, we, go and get, kind of should we go and get a beer? Is this <laughs> go get a beer? Oh my god, it'd be great. I mean, it's only eleven a.m. here, so well, we're I mean, okay. We're we're you guys are fine. O'clock. That's like I, beer o'clock. I contemplated it. I'm like, I have to be a role model because she's home. <laughs> Stupid COVID. But anyway, um, so I I had sent um, considerations to like 
uh, Victoria Stowell and a bunch of other people in the industry trying to um, just saying thank you for everything you've done. You've taught me a lot. I either reference you in the book, uh, keep up the good work. Like I, I'm a self-published author. Like there is like, it's hard to be taken seriously. And, and I just wanted to say thank you to these people that were just so awesome. And, and I sent it to a bunch of people, but the one person I didn't send it to was Trisha McConnell. And, and I was talking to a friend of mine, Jess Dolce um, of um, Dino's uh, Dogs in Need of Space. And she also does a bunch of stuff on compassionate uh, uh, compassion fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also from Maine. We've become good friends over the years. And she did a presentation. I talked to her after we did a book swap and she's like, I read your book. I really think you need to send it to Patricia McConnell. And I'm like, I cannot do that. Like she, so <laughs> before that, like I had sent it to a, a big name dog trainer who found me on Facebook. It was like, basically, what do you want from me? And I'm like, I, I don't, I just wanted to say thank you. And, and it just, it, it felt like, oh, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be Aww, trying to, like, it bad. was really demoralizing and really yeah. upsetting. Um, so I lost um, confidence. So when Jess said to do it, I gained confidence by taking two shots of whiskey, addressing <laughs> the book and sending it to Patricia McConnell. Like her her people were cool with it. They sent a note back saying, here's the address. Like we'd love to read it. Nobody reads more books than she does. I'm like, <laughs> okay. I'm like, even if it just collects dust on our bookshelf, at least I'm not foisting things at her. And about, and I I totally forgot, I'm walking my dog and my baby around the block and I come back and there's like a sticky note on my mailbox. I'm like, well, that's weird. And I I look and it says certified mail. I have to go to the post office to pick it up. And I'm like, certified, like this is usually on like Maury Povich or talk shows where they're like, (laughs) the baby is yours. And I'm like, but I only have one and she's here. Like I was so confused. And then I thought, and then I noticed it said from Wisconsin, where, where she's from. And I was like, oh, expletive, expletive, expletive. I'm being sued by my hero, Patricia McConnell. <laughs> was that honestly your first thought? That was my second thought after <laughs> the baby is yours. Um, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and I, I could have peed my pants. I will not confirm or deny that. Um, but I was so upset and I'm just like, okay, so I, pulled myself together. I, I called, um, I, I called the post office. I picked up the thing and, and I opened it. It says that there's, um, it was a cease and desist letter, which first hurt my chest. Um, but then I kept reading and it was from the post office in Wisconsin saying that I had sent a book or I had sent a package by media mail, which is an inexpensive way of shipping books and CDs and DVDs and stuff, which my post office employee said, send this medium mail. So I did. So I got reprimanded by sending a book as part of their book mailing program by media mail, which is the program for sending books. <laughs> Confused. So I called the post office and I'm like, um, Hey, um, I just got a certified letter from y'all and got a question. Um, I sent a book and the line went silent for about 10 seconds. And then I just hear, Oh no. And I'm like, what happened? She's like, um, while this is happening, I see an email pop up on my computer screen and it's from Patricia McConnell's people. And what she had received was not my book. 
<laughs> what she received was a box of rusty dental supplies. <laughs> so apparently Why? somewhere in the middle of rusty. USA, my book addressed to Dr. Patricia McConnell had somehow come out of the packaging in the same shipment as a box of rusty yeah, dental supplies um that had also fallen out so like they saw the supplies and saw doctor and shoved those into the package and sent it to my hero patricia mcconnell <laughs> <laughs> oh so my goodness opens the box and is confused and sends me an email and meanwhile i'm on the phone with the post office going but 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 you have no idea what I've been through. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. oh, no. This woman doesn't know me. She She's wrote my hero. <laughs> is the nicest woman. She wrote me, and, and this is in my actual office, not my bedroom office. I, I framed it because it was just so funny. On her letterhead, she's like, Dear M. McHugh McGrath. <laughs> like, um, you sent me a box of rusty dental. You sent me a box of dental supplies. I didn't know they were rusty at this point. <laughs> Um, you sent me a box of dental supplies. Um, I'm not sure if you're trying to, if you saw me speak recently and you're trying to comment <laughs> on my oral hygiene, but if you sent me a manuscript, please kindly resend it, which I did. And then like, so I met her a year later and she reviewed my book on her blog, which is super kind. I and read it. I read it. It's a great review. Yeah. She's so nice. Yeah. And then, so she was here giving a presentation and I had gone to it and she invited me out to Wisconsin for the weekend and I'm like oh that's really nice wow. and then I get an email from her a few days later going I don't usually invite strangers to my home I'm serious come so like I booked a plane ticket and then called my husband that I was going to Wisconsin <laughs> um and we had a lovely time and like I just talked to her the other day like we're real good friends and oh, she's been amazing. very supportive and she's so nice and so like yeah I can thank the USPS for like meeting <laughs> not just my hero, but somebody who's turned out to be like a very good friend and a kind, kind woman. So yeah, there's nothing to be afraid of when you talk to her. She's just so disarming yeah. and so kind. I was so, I did a similar thing. I, I sent a blind email out to her to come on the podcast. And I remember my finger hovering over the end. Just with, oh <laughs> yeah. my God. And still the I was like, I regret this immediately. I immediately, I regret this. <laughs> and then straight away, well, within, I think within a day, an email from her, come back, a couple of pictures of her dogs, greetings from there. And it was just straight away. It was brilliant. Apps and, and when she it's came so on, just nice. amazing. Yeah. It's almost like she's a person. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? I know. But you put, you what pill, an amazing you... how we met story though. Oh, that's I incredible. The USPS, it was a year later when I found out that it was rusty dental supplies. At first I was thinking like Origel and like toothbrushes. I'm like, that's not bad. My best friend was thinking, well, maybe they're body parts. I'm like, you're not helping. <laughs> but that's oh, what friends it. are for. Um, so, yeah, I did not send cadaver parts to Trisha McConnell. I did not send, like, I also didn't send a book. The book is still somehow missing. Oh, um, wow. And we found out due to a podcast that my beloved listens to that it probably ended up somewhere in Atlanta, oh, Atlanta, Georgia, United States. Cause that's where all missing mail goes to, where stay, post missing. Goes to um, stay missing yeah yeah so my book is there or somebody wait who, there's a whole there's a whole place somewhere of missing mail i think so that's where that's... it all seems to go oh cataloging that would be my dream 
Oh, such a geek. I'll such take you to Georgia. Geek. I mean, it's yeah. really far from here and the accents are way different, but let's go. <laughs> Do you think, just going off on a slightly, slightly bit of a tangent, like the Lemonade conference we just, well, us three attended, um, do you think that's the way a lot of conferences will go now? Because I thought it was brilliant. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Like, I, I'll send you guys a photo. I was watching uh, Jim Crosby talking about these massive dog bites. I've, I've got my, I was on the other side of my office bed, um, perched up. I had a, a very high octane beer. I had a cat <laughs> in my lap, a dog under my arm, and I was just here for it. Like it was so yeah, great. Yeah. And, and I could join in the chat or ask questions that way. It was great. And, you know, my husband put the kid to bed. I didn't have to blow a lot of money on airfare or like, I really liked it. I know the aggression con, uh, the aggression conference is also moving, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Shikazio's aggression conference okay. is going oh, his, to be. He um, was brilliant. He was brilliant. He yeah. was. He. Mm. I, I've seen him a couple of times. He's really yeah. great, and he's nice. Mm. Um, so if you did, um, if you get any info about that, um, it's already been confirmed to be an online conference. I think they can charge a lot less to more people. So I think it's still financially yeah. viable for them. Um, they can still get the information out to more people, which is lovely. I do yeah. miss the like being in person with yeah. people, mm. but having a small kid at home, this was great because that way I could at least go. Whereas before I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go. Like I've got work, I've got the kid. Well, I don't have work right now. So like, <laughs> not going anywhere. <laughs> well, one of our big dreams, isn't it, Nat, is to maybe put together a box from the bookshelf conference yeah. with all of the people that have come on the podcast and maybe we can, you know, do, do get something going like that. So maybe that's an idea for us. I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think you should totally do it. Expect an invitation, yeah. Melissa. Something. <laughs> I'll, and I'll put on my best dress. I'll send you an invitation. I'll, if I yeah. send you an invitation, you can send me some rusty dental. Uh, I was going to say that. <laughs> Sorry. Stole your that. joke. <laughs> can you imagine, though, like opening that box from a complete stranger and being like. <laughs> well, you've got you've got a one okay. up. You've got a one up now. You've got to send body parts next time. <laughs> I do. I do. So in in the interim, like we we frequently send each other some things, and she she has the sheep farm, and since we've been in quarantine, she's like, you know what? I think your your daughter might like some sheep wool, and I'm thinking I'm gonna get like a little envelope of like some of her shorn sheep. Um, I got this giant <laughs> box of two sheep's worth of different color wool wow that unclean i'm in a city i don't know what to do with sheep wool and i'm like <laughs> on on the internet my dog is like in the box like he what, is you on mean a you, bender. you don't have a, a spinning jenny set up I, to process wool i mean surely that's a staple for every apartment oh my god it? <laughs> it was so funny i'm just picturing like this little thing of wool so like we we just like have like these post office words that go back and forth <laughs> so my dog had a field day with that box he's like this is the best day ever i'm like mm. that can't all be wool is it and i open it's like <laughs> <laughs> so we cleaned it and then i i investigated this thing called dry felting where like okay. you can make like little you yes, have to get a, cool. a special needle and like you can felt like you stab and, and I'm, oh I, I'm like ooh this is meditative I'm just like stabbing and I made a sheep out of the sheep wool and I sent it back to her <laughs> oh, that's nice. so, the, so the post office is probably like what, what is up with these things these are the weirdest things <laughs> so um where, where can people find your blog uh Melissa 
Cool. Um, I actually have not, I just started um, going back to that because I've been spending so much time um, writing this book sure, that yeah. I hope someday will be eventually finished. Um, but it's muttstuff.blogspot.com. Um, and I tried to move it over to like my regular website, melissanicumagraph.com. But I am so not technically advanced. Everything that mm. looks good is Squarespace. I had nothing to do with that. So like, so trying to migrate everything over has been really hard. But I've had that blog since 2005 or 2006. Oh, wow. So yeah. it, it goes really far back. And, and it's some things are better than others. Um, <laughs> but it, it started off like as a local way just to talk to my students and then like some of these bigger issues like that dog attack that started considerations for the mm. city dog and like some other uh bigger issues that you see like kind of like these hot button issues like breeder versus rescue or whatever the case may be and trying to take a very sensible approach to like nobody's right nobody's wrong but there's a safe way to do these things or to consider mm. these other options um so that started probably around 2010. Um, but yeah, but it's all kind of there, the good, the bad, the ugly, and it's <laughs> the yeah. bad punctuation. I think, and... I think that's good though. I think, yeah, me too. you know, the more open we are, that like you said, we are we are people, um, then- Funny that. Yeah, yeah funny that. Um, it You can have open and frank conversations about stuff. And hopefully that makes, uh, you know, the whole sector more approachable so that those feelings of guilt, shame, peer pressure, all those things that people are feeling when they're getting that, that sideways glance from their neighbor, mm -hmm. hopefully they're not gonna feel that when they pick up the phone and call us. I think the more we can talk about it and say, I was there too. Like yeah. I know that feeling intimately. I know what that's like and it sucks, but it's not you and you're not alone. Mm. I feel like almost every behavior call, even if I don't take the case and I send it to someone else, like the thing that I keep impressing to them is you are not alone. Like, cause mm. a lot of these behavior problems feel so isolating. Um, and that you're the only one with this problem or that everybody's looking at you. But when you feel that way, you don't look around and see that there's a bunch of other people with their heads down too, also looking at their dog who's barking and lunging yeah. and res responding in a way that um, would, if you could lift up your head, you could see that they're also struggling and it's not just you. Yeah. Um, and so by putting all that out there on my blog and in my writing and in my books, I, I really hope that, that it takes away that feeling of isolation because interestingly, in a city, it's so easy to feel yeah. so isolated. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping to take some of yeah. that edge. Well, off. you've done it brilliantly. And yeah. hopefully, yeah. you'll uh, some of our listeners will get on Amazon and order uh, considerations for the city dog. It yeah. was very easy. It came the next day. I love it. It's now got pride of place on my bookshelf. So um Yay. so i'm so glad you got in touch yeah, yeah yay really. i am too in fact i got in touch after i heard trisha was on yeah. and i'm like oh i'm like you guys should interview lily Chin and nicole yeah, yeah. wild and yeah <laughs> oh, i think i've been oh. sending you guys other things too before before i forget the dog the, the you sent a picture of um your daughter was it reading a book the other day that, yeah. looked, that looked incredible that really piqued my interest that book isn't it good? Um, it's so fun. And it's great for adults to understand like genetics and influence and how dogs evolve, but it's in graphic novel form. But the science is That's sound. In my life. Um, and uh, Julie Hecht um, had consulted on it too. And she's like a big name in the in, um, in dog science. 
Um, so she consulted on it. So everything is sound. Andy Hirsch, I think, is the illustrator and author wow. of it. But it's called Dogs uh, Science Comics. Dogs. And there's like a whole, um, there's a whole series like Science Comics Plague, Science Comic <laughs> Volcano. Um, but I bought Science Comic Dogs for me. And every time I go to look at my bookshelf, it's gone. And Ace has taken it and <laughs> has put it on her bookshelf. So like, I'll go to like, I'll use it as a reference. I'll take pictures and send it to clients. And where's my book? <laughs> I go and I take, mama, you took my book. I'm like, it's my book. And I'm like, I can see sweater sharing in the next seven years. It's going to be a problem. <laughs> and when, when you walk into our bedroom and be like, where's my book? She just, she just peeks her eyes over like, top <laughs> and goes, yeah. what is time anyway, mother? Yeah. <laughs> what even is time? <laughs> I've um I've got to tell you about a little book. Um, it might be a bit too young for your daughter. She's seven, right? She's seven, um, but she's reading a little above that. Well, yeah. That this is this is a kids' book. This is oh, like okay. you'd read it for bedtime. But I got a copy. I don't have kids, but I got. Yeah. I found this book, and it's it's brilliant. It's called The Great Dog Bottom Swap. And I'm it, interested. It's, uh, <laughs> shall I do a spoiler? Because it's, it's only a few pages, but basically it explains. You remember earlier when you, you were talking about the um, far side thing with the yeah, hi, my the, name the is. Name tag. So this is an alternative theory about why dogs might sniff each other's bottoms. Basically, um, the dogs go to a ball and it's not considered uh, polite like we wouldn't wear a hat indoors they don't wear their bottoms indoors so mm -hmm. at the start of the party you all hang your bottom up on a hook and then you go and have the party but there's a fire at the party and in the panic of everyone trying to find their their bottom they just grab any old bottom and stick that on and so all the dogs got the wrong bottoms and that's why they have to sniff each other's bottoms to see who ended up with their bottom. How is this the first time you've ever told me about this book? I've got no idea. That is incredible. What do you think? I think it's brilliant. It's, brilliant. it's called The Great Dog that. Bottom Swap. I have a theory and it, it, this has gone back a while. I, I really truly think that the reason adults take drugs is to, oh, hello, new person. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, that wow. is service. That, that is. is room service. Oh, oh, I thought he was giving it to me. Yeah, I thought that was oh, my cheers. one as well. Yeah. Cheers. 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 Um, so, yeah, adults my, my theory is Got a sharpie. That I, I really think the reason that adults take drugs is that way we can remember what it feels like to be absurd, like have yeah. that fantastical absurdity that children like. Um, yeah. Like so, some of the things that my kid comes up with are just so fantastical and so imaginative and she's like let's play an imagination game and i'm like mm, i i'm trying yeah no mama like your dinosaur doesn't look wrong enough <laughs> to play the hippo game and i'm like what are you talking about like and, and i listen to what she says and i watch documentaries where people are like on drugs and i'm like Ah, yeah. This is why we drink. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, there's you watch a new like one small at... children spinning and spinning <laughs> yeah. and spinning for minutes for no reason just to get that feeling. Like we drink like beer. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's going to happen now, Nat? Don't you? We're going to hear a news report of uh, an American author found in a park on uh, LSD on a roundabout. <laughs> 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 
Well, there's a new there's a new Netflix uh, documentary of um, famous people talking about their their trips, their oh, yes, experience on psychedelic drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that could be quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. just make sure you bring a beer. To <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank. Hey, seven year old, why don't you watch this? <laughs> yeah. I um I well we're running well well I know I could talk to you all day actually um mm. in fairness I think you might <laughs> so you I. might You've have been to be fun. you might have to be the first repeat um person coming back because I yeah literally got so many oh. cool stories and I'm sure your book will be out in the not too distant future but um. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a pleasure. And keep it up with this podcast, guys. Like, I have shared it with so many people. I think you guys are helping a lot of people with this podcast. And and I can't thank you enough for the invitation. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thanks. Well, we'll Well, we'll, uh, we'll get busy with uh, some kind of online conference then. Yeah. Sounds good. I'll bring the LSD. (laughs) (laughs) You're on. I'll supply the roundabout. <laughs> oh, a rotary? Bye <laughs> bye. Yeah. All right, thanks bye. so much. Bye. Hey. Wow, that was brilliant. Wow. Sorry, I just I did do a Greg Wallace then, didn't I? <laughs> How nice is Melissa? She was lovely, wasn't she? So, so just down to earth, lovely. Mm. I felt like and I thought we could be buds. Yeah, I know. Proper friends, not just friends of the podcast. Actual, actual proper (laughs) friends as well. Pen pals, no less. I know. Lucky her. Lucky them to have found each other. And lucky us to have found both of them. This is like becoming more and more of a thing, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's great. It's not getting any, uh, any, I'm not being desensitized to it though, at all. No. Uh, I'm like, yeah. Just, yeah. just amazing people who want to share their knowledge and have a laugh and talk to us and yeah just brilliant um thanks melissa yeah. again i wasn't lying Thank when i so said much. i could talk to you all day long and you will have to come back on again and that's a promise yeah. um Defo. if for nothing else that i didn't get to try out my boston accent on you so yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly so um and also well ooh. you need to go and find that podcast that she was talking about and then um yeah car talk back. i wrote down i wrote Pod- down car 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 talk i'm gonna <laughs> my ladies um, and i think um hopefully lots of people will be inspired to go and buy a lot of the books that we talk about i know but, people have you know, i know i certainly yeah. know because i get loads of emails from people who are like oh i've been out bought the book or or emails from angry people who are like you're costing me a lot of money um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah costing um, me a fortune so yeah and this, this but i think this this one i mean you know like melissa says she's self-published so Go out and order yourself a copy. It's yeah. definitely worth it. Definitely a good read. Entertaining read as well. She's got a really nice writing style. Yeah, I think that comes across when you talk to her as well. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Really brilliant. And did I did I hear that her partner was in a different room playing a trumpet? Yeah. I yeah. mean, just as you do. As you do. <laughs> so, hark, there's a Wallace on the horizon. <laughs> there is. <laughs> Shall we? <laughs> Yes. Whoa. It's the Greg Wallace moment. (laughs) Okay. Now, this comes with a disclaimer because this is, I'm going to say a couple of sentences now that are potentially uh, uh, contentious Mm. about, uh, uh, well, you'll find out, but we could talk about this for hours. So you tell me what you think of this. 
This is in the chapter entitled uh, Shelters and Rescues, How to Rescue Responsibly. This is in bold. <laughs> never, in bold. Yep. never, mm-hmm. capitals, take a dog home that you meet off a truck at a highway rest stop. Similarly, never, capitals in bold, take a dog home that you haven't met first. This rule is applicable for breeders, shelters, and rescue agencies. Ooh. Looks like that. Think of them apples. I, I think that's very appropriate for our Greg Wallace moment. Um, yes. Uh, well, yeah. Common sense. That isn't so common. I don't know. I. It's been... Um, uh, uh, I don't know if it's recent. Maybe it is recent. I don't know. But the, the trend of especially rescuing dogs that you've never met from uh, places, you know, where maybe you can't meet them. Um, yeah. Am I beating them around the bush enough here? <laughs> um, um, yeah. It <laughs> has caused lots of issues, or at least I have seen lots of issues. Of course. Of course it would. Of course it would. Um, yeah. So... Uh, I, you know, I've just rescued a dog and um, because of the unique circumstances with the lockdown and and having to wait until it was okay to do it, um, we met her a couple of times before we took her home. Uh, I'm a professional, you know, um, Mm -hmm. but even on top of all of those things, you know, I'm just going to talk about rescue here um, specifically, but even on top, even me knowing what to do, having the knowledge um having expectations as well which maybe some people don't have of what it's going to be like um having a rescue dog um having done it before on numerous occasions it was still shocking at some points you know it was yeah. still a lot yeah. a lot to take in still stressful still and that's me, that's just me describing my emotions let alone peach's emotions mm. as well that makes it sound like it's been a car crash it hasn't it's been absolutely amazing but like you were saying earlier about being honest about things, it's, you know, you got to set yourself up to succeed as best as you possibly can. And I guess this kind of talks a little bit to how difficult it can be to adopt a dog through the fish official channels. Um, well, I think, so one of the reasons that um, you weren't able to get Peach as quickly as you would may have liked um, was that one of the major concerns was the behavioural follow-up, wasn't it? Yeah. What if this doesn't work out? You know, yeah. what if these guys need a hand? And obviously you're a professional, so you're, you know, you're unlikely to be in that situation. But genuinely, it could have not worked out. Yeah, cool, of course. Um, so it, even as a professional and... And, um, and it's nice that the rules still apply for professionals. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. there's, there's no point having rules if you're going to, you know, it might be something that we can, you, you know, that we can all have a little, like, a grin and a nod about when you're there. But, yeah, if things go wrong, you need things to fall back yeah. on. Because without it, yeah. you've got nothing. You're on your own. Yeah. And that's... And and I think a lot, I think a lot of what Melissa is trying to get at is about that. It's yeah. about the support network and the, not only the support network post-adoption but the pre-adoption assessment the expertise of the people that are involved in these rescues to to fully assess these dogs to see whether they are suitable from their point of view i.e can the dog cope in this environment um and from the new family's point of view i'm sure we've both worked with 
people and and dogs that that have been rescued and you just think what on earth was the rescue center thinking matching up this slot you know um and often they seem to be in my experience and i'm not knocking any charities because everyone goes at it from a place of 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 course you know goodwill um often it's the smaller charities with with less kind of behavioral knowledge or support that end up making these placements um but i also think um if we're asking people to be responsible about meeting a dog before they adopt them you know like melissa was saying you know she she trialed dogs to see who was going to fit in her life Mm. you know that must be a really hard um, process to go through but a necessary one i think yeah okay otherwise it's not it's compromising that dog's welfare from staying there just because you think you're a failure if if you don't make it work you know sometimes you can't make it work and from what she was describing in you know uh city and urban conditions wow that's challenging you know um did your house just fall down yeah it was uh, <laughs> i tell you what that's one thing my dogs have to cope with because um even though i'm going to sound like i live somewhere really posh now but i don't um there's a there's a tractor with his trailer he goes past he he drives too fast he probably goes by i don't know maybe twice a day but it honestly sounds like the the world is falling in is Uh, it a john deere tractor or is it a massey ferguson i don't know mate i don't know lovely (laughs) but um so i i would I would love to see more um, people working with um, the sort of rescue charities or, or whatever to do that that lovely matchmaking yeah. as much as as they possibly can. Most of the the um, you know well-respected rescues do, but I've had a few clients where they they've kind of said, look we know you we've worked with you with with this dog can you help us find another dog and that is like one of the biggest um you know it's a lovely thing to be asked to be trusted to do that and um you know it I, i kind of can watch body language i can suss a dog out and and you can't expect the general public to be able to do all of that yeah and so you hope that the the rescue organizations would do it for them it's almost like you others. you need an entourage. Uh, you uh, do need hey, an entourage. Hey, Look at you. Hey, Melissa. Hey, hey. Mm. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Perfect. Perfect Greg Wallace moment. Greg would okay, be good. happy. I'm glad, I'm glad you agree. On a small side note, and I'm not sure I can even put this up on our Facebook page, but that, uh, did you see the gif that your, your husband sent of Greg Wallace? A few weeks uh, ago. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, I, I literally have just got it out of my mind and you've oh, sorry. me. <laughs> I don't know it's if I can weird... even describe it. It's one of the weirdest gifts I've ever seen. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, how? How and why? And All I'm going to say is it's Greg Wallace producing more Greg Wallace's. <laughs> yeah, should we go with that? Let's go with that. Yeah, I think maybe go if you that. if you want to, you can go and maybe try and type that into an internet search engine. I don't know. <laughs> um, right, okay. So, um, oh, where are we? Where are? Oh, quite. Oh, we got. We got, I put the call out. 
put the call out. I actually only did it this morning. Actually, I forgot and I was being a bit slack. And no, um, you did good. You did more than me. Sorry. Put the call out for some questions, and the our lovely bookshelvers um, have responded. So shall we? As a, as we have got a jingle for the question sections now, let's have a wee yeah. break for our jingle, and then we shall go on to our question section. Okay. Question. 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 There we go. Spike still sounds fresh, that jingle. Is that a jingle? I don't <laughs> well know if it's a jingle. Mate. Yeah, yeah. I uh, don't know. It's nothing it's I enjoy more than harmonising with myself. Natalie Light, sister behaviourist. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty good. <laughs> I have kind of noticed that you don't invite me to sing on any of these things. Well, we're in blooming lockdown, aren't we? Well, you could record stuff. I could do remote recording, can I? Yeah, you just don't like my voice clearly. maybe just maybe just sing for an hour it's the patriarchy yeah, well, i did sing for you with the, i did i did destiny's child and it didn't we make did the cut do, did it? but i don't think we could we might be in trouble if we use that i don't know is that, <laughs> okay do you want beyonce trying is to that, sue is you is that your excuse <laughs> <laughs> it's the patriarchy it's the patriarchy it's toxic masculinity <laughs> taking over the jingle making of the podcast okay all right it's not because i can't sing right just, fine okay i'll accept that like okay. it and, like it and lump it woman Okay, I'll <laughs> Thank you, man. Questions? Right, questions. We have an email, which, oh my goodness, it was from back at the start of May. I'm so sorry, Georgina. Yeah, um, well, actually, can I just say, it went, it went into our spam. Oh, did I, it? I actually, Georgina Facebooked me and actually said, I've sent you a message if you got it. I looked, didn't look in the spam, classic mistake, and then said, no, I haven't got it. She sent it again, went into spam again. She said, have you got it? I looked and went, no, I haven't got it. I said, my, this is my fault, if I'm being honest. So I take this I'm one on the chin. I'm seeing a pattern. Yeah, I, t- I take this on the chin. <laughs> Massive apologies to Georgina. Okay, so our, our heartfelt Barks from the Bookshelf apology mm-hmm. award goes yeah. to Georgina. And Jack Fruit. So, but we're, we're here now. We're talking. We're talking about you. And I will email you. Yeah. Uh, probably because she's saying some lovely things oh it's lovely and she says yeah. she goes she hums she hums our theme tunes ah oh, that's because it's an earworm steve earworms. created an earworm earworms. um so there's lots that i want to uh talk uh to georgina about but i'll do that in email if that's okay um but i will say that your dog's name is amazing <laughs> he's great isn't it Little yeah. picture of him at the bottom of the email. Oh, he looks happy as Larry. <laughs> I'm presuming that that is a picture of him in Sri Lanka, not <laughs> you know down Margate. Could be Beach Brighton. Could be Brighton. <laughs> no, it's a bit golden sands, isn't yeah, it? Maybe. I mean. <laughs> anyway, so uh, thank you for your email, Georgina, and um, we're like kindred spirits. I think, like you know, next time we do a Brighton day out, maybe we'll meet for a beer somewhere, huh? Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds good. That sounds great. Um, I mean, she might not want to. We could have been in the same place having a beer last time we we were there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we'll see you in Brighton in 2024 when we're all next (laughs) about out. Um, So she's asking, uh, I'd love to know if you have any advice about how to go about getting practical experience on the road to qualifying as a trainer and Uh behaviourist. Easy for me to say. I've asked a shadow in some places, but haven't had much luck so far. So this is a really um, kind of tricky area for people that, you know, know their career path or what career path they want to go on um, and desperately just want to get their hands on some dogs to help them, really. Um, 
So, uh, shall I go first, Devo, and then you can jump in with any extra bits you want to. I'm sure you will cover this. Really, yeah, but yeah. Um, I'll, I'll clear so, up. Your, I'll clear up your mess. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. So, um, first thing, uh, Georgina, I don't know if you have joined any um, membership organisations, and that's a really good place to start because a lot of them will have kind of mentorship type. Um, programs for uh, their their student members um, so have a look on the ABTC uh, website and there's a register there of, of practitioners and, and membership organizations um, and if you're looking for kind of behavior cases then um, the fellowship of animal Behaviour Clinicians is a relatively new organisation and they're setting up um, some level one mentoring, which is basically where uh, a, an accredited behaviourist goes through a case and you're able to kind of log in and observe. So it's really, mm. really good uh, experience. It's not good. the same as getting your, your hands on, on a dog. Um, I have no idea how much it costs to become a, a candidate member um, for them, but have a look on their website. It's Fabka. Uh, .org.uk I think um, so Fellowship of Animal Behaviour Clinicians uh, the Association of Pet Behaviour Councillors runs similar things as well for, for behaviour cases um, and they also have um, uh, if you join as a student member there I don't think you have to be studying you're just sort of working towards your accreditation um, you can get a, a quite hefty discount on all of their webinars and they do fantastic webinars uh, there was one lately called by a lady called Natalie Light uh, about her <laughs> Irish wolfhound called Dragon. I'm, I'm joking they, they actually I did do one but there are lots of people that you would have you would have heard of um, and um, all sorts of different subjects so I think they the discount ends up you, you get an hour's webinar and Q&A for £12.50, which isn't too wow, bad. Yeah. Um, so if you actually want to get your hands on the on a dog, I presume dogs is the kind of stuff that you want to work with, then yes, I would send some emails to people locally and ask if you can shadow. But sometimes there's some issue depending on, you know, maybe what methods they're using, or whether they're ethical trainers, um, whether they are worried about you setting up in their area you know some people don't have the same kind of abundance mentality men mentality and kind of networking that, that we might um so other options are the imdt do really good practical handling uh, days um and also if you have a local rspca or blue cross center um, it can be a really, really good way to volunteer, you know, one day a week and do some dog walking because being able to get a dog in and out of a kennel safely um, is just a, a fantastic skill uh, to have, especially if you want to go into the more theoretical stuff. You don't want to skip past some of the practical skills. Yeah. So I'm sure if you have a local animal rescue centre, obviously things are all up in the air at the moment with COVID. But, um, you know, most places would uh, provide training and allow you to kind of bump up your numbers in terms of how many dogs you can uh, do a little bit of training here and there with. Um, if you're looking for stuff to do with jackfruit, the Karen Pryor Academy also, they do lots of practical exams. So they give you a, an exercise and then you do it and you film yourself with jackfruit doing it and then they give you feedback. And actually Taz and Hannah, who we spoke to last week on the podcast, 
um, have a similar kind of um, mentorship scheme. Yeah. Um, so whilst it's great to get experience with different breeds and temperaments and all that kind of stuff, there's this is also a good time when we're stuck indoors to really hone your own handling skills with your own dog. So maybe look into something like that that you can do remotely where you can get some really good feedback on on how you're doing with, with little jackfruit. I, I, I would just add, I'd echo everything you said there. And I'd say, going back to what we were talking about with Melissa as well, that, that there are real benefits to doing the online remote stuff. So yeah, definitely looking into either Taz or Taz and Hannah's um, mentorship or yeah cpa um all of those all that good stuff um indeed yeah good good luck on your journey it's a- yeah good best of luck and keep in touch and i'll i will email you um back as well but um yeah hopefully that's useful few places to look at yeah yeah sorry sorry for steve being an idiot no, idiot well, not I've got taking... access to it too, so it's my my fault. Too, um, so. yeah, I'll, t- I'll check my spams from time to time. I'll take about twenty five percent of the blame. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I'll have that. That's a fair chunk. I'll take that. That's uh, that's one quarter. God, I had to do it. Suddenly, as that was oh, coming out of my oh mouth, my I was like, "Hang on a minute, maths. Don't do maths. <laughs> avoid avoid maths." <laughs> well, all right, cool. And um, we've got. Right, what... Should I should I read out the next question then? Yes, next question, please. Right, so this is from Big Greggy G, or Greggy P. Big G, um, Big G, friend of the podcast, Greg Patterson. Big, yeah, indeed. who also just jumping in there also has his own podcast called the Woofin Pawsome Podcast. Great Amazing. name, um, which I listen to. I've been slow to the party getting up this, but I listen to uh, uh, three episodes. Uh, well, last week and this week, it's brilliant. It's great, Greg. It's awesome. Yay. If you want another um, podcast to listen to about dogs, and you can't get enough, can you? Let's be honest. Um, the Whiffin Porson podcast. Go and find that on your on your normal podcast providers. I, um, I that it's definitely on Apple Music and iTunes. I know that because that's where I got it from. <laughs> Fabulous. So he's asking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in our experience, what do we think are the biggest contributions to breed trends and popularity? For example, celebrity, media, childhood, visual popularity. And do you think it's at the detriment to more informed research and researched dog choices for family fit? What a question, Greg. It's a good question, isn't it? Um, I remember I'll go, I'll go I'll go in with this with a bit of a memory. I remember when um, when I worked at Scallywags, um, they used to have uh, a massive like puppy kind of puppy romp thing that they did. So they'd get loads, there'd be loads there. It was all run very well, but yeah, I remember counting once there would be sixty puppies there. Sometimes it was all socialization stuff, and just you could guarantee like a month, few months after Crufts that you would see an influx of you know, whichever breed won Crufts, suddenly there would be a load of Hungarian Wieslers turning up or, or you know, whatever, whatever each year. So that, I think that from my experience anyway, it definitely played a part in people um, picking breed in detriment quite often, I would say, I don't know. I don't know how much people research that much whether it is just oh that looks like a great dog at crufts doing that i'm not saying that everyone picks their dogs based on the croft winner but just from my personal you know my personal experience in that one um yeah did they research him i don't know i would imagine it would be in detriment what would you think that uh well mm-hmm. um 
I will try and put. Hang on, let me just put my lab coat on. Get my sciencey, sciencey brain on. Here she comes. Um, hang on. Am I going to have to? <laughs> let me get my wallet out. Am I going to have to pay you the big, bu- the big bucks? <laughs> so there have been some studies. Here into... comes Fanny Fanny Firefax. Firefax, Fanny. Go on. Oh dear. Okay. Um, I want a jingle, by the way, for that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So there have been some studies into... Uh, oh, really? In fact, uh, one of my um, friends, uh, Vicky Welsh, who I went to Newcastle University with, did her thesis on um, owner preference and whether it was, uh, you know, big fluffy white things that they were looking for or uh, all sorts. So there, there is some research out there. That's incredible. I, can, I will try and find some and put it on the um, post if it would be of interest to mm. other geeks out there. Um but I will try and give you the kind of a nat dilution of some of this stuff. So, um, yes, there has been uh, a correlation between um, particular films and dogs of that breed ending up being relinquished in rescue centers so not necessarily that more people own them but that more people get them and then it ends up going all wrong um an example of that would be the twilight series and a husky type dogs or, or you know wolfy northern breeds um ending up in rescue um team jacob <laughs> uh hell yeah um so uh, yeah, I think there there are definitely kind of popular cultural influences. Um, how strong they are, I don't know. Personally, I don't know about you, Steve, but I'm not. I I don't listen to like influencers on Twitter and Instagram. No. Um, I don't do the gram, and so. Uh, but I would think that in this day and age, they do have a, a strong influence on. Yeah. Um, breeds and 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 you know anecdotally this isn't based on on research but i see that a lot of those celebrities are now looking more towards kind of french bulldogs boston terriers that kind of thing you know these brachycephalic breeds um and i i think that kind of then gains momentum because for whatever reason really um so it's it's a really good question greg and there is some research behind it and i think you know when dogs when um films like that max film with the malinois comes out you know all of us go take a deep breath (laughs) yeah yeah but whether it then rings true i i don't know i think in general people tend to go for breeds that they know they had they've seen on walks their friends have got you know an instagram influencer has and seem like happy fun dogs um of course you think... you also had the influx of people getting dogs because they wouldn't shed their coats well as yeah well. i was just gonna say yeah. that yeah the the old the old oodle the oodles. phenomenon yeah um and we're seeing that kind of become unpicked now uh yes. certainly a lot of my caseload is, is oodleys um yeah they they're you know they're two two very highly motivated breeds a lot of the time um that aren't uh, you know the lifestyle that we maybe 
try and give them isn't really conducive to to what they they need um, hey you might not have to hoover your house but you'll never sleep again <laughs> yeah, yeah well the, the guy I, i'm gonna misquote this now completely um so feel free to correct me but i think it was a guy in australia that first came up with the the labrador poodle cross mm. and it was because it, he he was involved in service pro, animal um programs like breeding programs and so he he wanted a kind of non-shedding uh non-allergy version of a a biddable labrador for um for the assistance dog programs but since then it's just gone mad isn't it Mm. it's just like any old cross with any old cross and 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 they cost a fortune as well because they're popular so um i'm sure they're well i know there are lots of people doing research and um summarizing things a lot more scientifically and eloquently than i just have in the last 50 minutes that i've been wanging on so i'll shut up now and say good question greg great question Uh, yes 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 do do you do you (laughs) just out of interest do you know any dog trainers because my jack russell is just walking across my office desk at the minute i don't know any no uh maybe have a look on the abtc website you might be able to find one I think that way. Uh, <laughs> Fish is on my worktop, like nosing around in the. Si- what did he do the other day? Oh yeah, he jumped out the kitchen window. Oh. You see me in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mm. okay, fine. You are a terrier. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's not very high kitchen window, I must say, and it was onto a table. Before anyone worries about him. Fish is amazing. Uh, we got another. We got one more, haven't we? we got one, one more. Question. Should I read it out? A plethora of questions. Yes. Okay. So this is from Mandy McTaggart, mm-hmm. who in my head has the most Scottish accent ever, just from her name. But paradoxically lives in Tenerife. Yes. So I'm going to call her Mandy McTaggart. <laughs> Sorry, Mandy. I, do, I have no idea, but that, that's, that's, that's how you are in my head. Complaints She's to saying... Natalie at... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She says, hi. Have any of you used a rucksack to carry a puppy out when walking with your other dogs? If oh so, which one do you my recommend? God, this is a question for Natalie. Like this one, yeah. Isn't it? Yes. Uh, so she lives in a hot climate, so she needs it to be breathable. Okay. Um, actually, if uh, our lovely friend of the podcast uh, Nikki Miles is listening, then she might be able to give us what she uses for Elmo because they're in Australia, and I know they use a backpack. Oh, him don't they Elmo uh, I miss her I know so I, miss, I miss it I'm, we miss you too Nikki but... yeah yeah of course yes. um, so I'll I'll ask her and I'll post the um, the answer on the page um, but yes definitely I've used, I've only had uh, two of my dogs uh, from a puppy um, uh, still rescues but um, they were sort of young enough to not be able to cope with what the other guys needed and uh, you know in a multi-dog household especially if it's a hot climate you can't do five dog walks can you in the in the time that it's cool so you've got to do your best with one walk sometimes um, and uh, fish was pretty much in a papoose we called it didn't we <laughs> it's great it was brilliant it was a little little sling um you could probably i mean depending on what breed you've got i don't i don't know how big this pup is um but you might be able to retrofit something you've already got so when i had grew um he i mean he was quite a big puppy anyway because he's 
lanky lurcher but I managed to safely fold all of his legs um in on each other <laughs> and I'll um, be clipping that bit of audio out <laughs> yeah. and and I, I wrapped him in a blanket and and I used to just wear a rucksack on my front and pop him in there only for like if I needed to take Jack round the block mm. uh for a pee or whatever just while I was getting grew used to um being left home alone um so there's loads of options out yeah. there. I, I like the open sling because I think actually then um, you, you know if your dog needs the toilet, they can start wiggling around mm. and, you know, you can put them down for a bit and then put them back in. Fish definitely loved his, didn't he? He, he, used, to ask, he used to ask to go in it. He like, adored it. Have you got any photos? We could stick one up on the... Yeah, I'll, I'll dig one out. I mean, he oh, occasionally he'll still go in it now because he's not grown <laughs> much. And I, honestly, I find it so easy. If I, let's say I've got a, I don't know, I'm doing a phone call and I'm cooking dinner and all the dogs are out and he hasn't hasn't seen me much or he just wants a cuddle, rather than him following me around, you know, waiting for me to sit down, I'll just put him in the papoose to go straight to sleep. It's, it's really adorable um but i think i i personally think they're a great idea they're a brilliant way of managing all of your different dogs um uh, requirements in terms of exercise uh, but also gets them out and about and if your puppy hasn't had their vaccinations yet it's a safe way of them you know getting out and about and, and seeing things so what do you think steve i think I the same as you i was gonna i was gonna just to bring up the, the your last point there so you, you've done it already um but the yeah socializing puppies fantastic idea for being able to get them out experience the the world the smells the sights the sounds you know obviously not flooding them but you know great great tool i will small caveat make sure you get something that that i, I was driving home the other day from the country park we got a field and there was a dude on a bike with what, a tiny dog in a rucksack but the rucksack didn't seem done up enough to me and i was having a heart attack as i was passing him yeah and he was heading towards a main road and i was like oh my god um yeah. i'm sure everything worked out fine i'm absolutely sure it did but just make sure it's something that you know is safe and um yeah safety is paramount of and course. actually um mandy depending on how far you want to go uh uh taz and hannah talked about their pushy thing didn't they their yeah pram. i was gonna say as well and and um uh i i uh, well, I love to again spoilers, but um, Greg, um, Big G, Big 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 GPP, <laughs> Big GPP. No, we're not going that. Um, but anyway, um, he has got um on on his website uh, website. I noticed he does like these stroller walk things. So I think he does a similar sort of like social oh, cool. stroller walk thing. So maybe we can talk to him about it um at some point yeah. as well. So that'd be pretty good. Um, yeah. Uh, quite what a great load of questions. I know. Oh, lovely thanks guys I really love, appreciate it i love it. our little community we got here. they're always you know getting involved and uh, it's really nice very very very, very nice. lovely right shall we i've got my book now i've got my in praise yeah. of dogs are we doing um story time with steve story time with steve um so that we, we've moved from our in praise of dogs book to our new book really important stuff my dog has taught me and i read out um on the last uh main podcast i read out the introduction which is really nice um now i'm going through that i'm thumbing my way through the book and finding some cool things it's just cool stories inspirational things dogs have done or the ways that dogs make you think so here we go i've got one here and this with this one is titled be a hero okay so <clears throat> are you sitting comfortably and then we shall begin uh omar eduardo rivera 
a blind computer technician, was working on the 71st floor of the World Trade Center's North Tower on September 11th, 2001, when a hijacked plane flew into the skyscraper. After Omar and his guide dog, Salty, fought their way to the stairwell, he unclipped the dog's leash and ordered him to go. Convinced he would die, Omar wanted to give his beloved Labrador Retriever a chance to survive, but Salty refused to leave his owner's side. Despite the panic and the intense heat, for nearly an hour, Salty patiently guided Omar down 70 flights of stairs to safety. The tower collapsed shortly after they escaped. Wow. Yeah, there's not much you can say about that, really, is there? They got a picture here of um, of Omar uh, uh, Eduardo Rivera and Salty. Um yeah, looking very proud. Salty is here. Um, I'll try and take a photo and stick it up on the thingy. That's that's in, that's just amazing, isn't it? Just amazing. Yeah. You know, dogs, uh, are, dogs are amazing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they surprise me every single day, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, but that's on another level. That is. Um, We're very lucky that they put up with us. Really. Seventy floors. I can't imagine what I mean, we were talking about the the environment and how much input and all of the senses that must have been. I can't imagine what that must have been like. Mm. But well done, Salty. A salute, salute for Salty. Yeah. Um, good on you, mate. Right. Well, that brings us to the end of another one. Another. Good. I've had a good time. Have you? Yeah, I have had a good time, and I'll see you tomorrow. You'll be bored to the back tea for me by. Um, oh wow. By this I'll time tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sure. So um, uh, we have got, of course, we have got our off the shelf series um, at the moment where we are talking to friends, professionals, colleagues, um, anyone that's got an interest in dogs in some way, shape or form um, that we think it would be cool to talk to. So um, look out for them. They're coming on the on the main feed. So you haven't got to do anything else. They'll just they'll pop up from time to time, but they'll obviously be called off the shelf, whereas these ones are barks from the bookshelf. Um the main show, should we call it that? We I don't do. know. The I main show, the main event. The main event. Um, Everything uh, else is an appetizer. It's an appetizer. Um, we are. Uh, we've got. We've got some really cool guests lined up for the off-the-shelf stuff, and it's been a lots of fun. A lot, a lot more informal. Corin comes on to most of them with us, doesn't she? And yeah, a, it's good. Always oh, good to see Corin. I've got to be on my best behaviour for those ones. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, please, please, please send us your feedback. Um, if you if you know someone that loves dogs, got a dog, you think might be interested in the podcast, please do let them know. Word of mouth is one of the greatest ways that um, that podcasts grow. If you feel inclined, write us a little review on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere where you can write a review. Um, send us a question, whatever, whenever you whatever you want to do, we, get involved. We love positive reinforcements. We so certainly please, do. Please, please, please. We certainly do. And if you know, um, if you've read any books, um, things you think that we should cover, if you know authors that are writing books, anything like that, yeah, feel free to send them our way because we are always open to to learning something, speaking to someone new. So, yeah, that would that would be great as well. And don't forget um, to go and see Nat's talk at the... <laughs> APBC conference. Uh, if you go to, oh, I've got it up. It could have been seamless, but it's not. <laughs> we'll stick links in all the show notes anyway. But okay. yeah, go yeah. If you type that in, you will find it. You will find yeah. it, and it's well worth uh, seeing that talk. So do do that. It's well worth. I it. hope so. I I'll hope be so. there. Well, I'll be I'm there. Really I'll be it virtually. Only, you know, it's only like a talk to all of my peers. Oh, I'm really yeah, jealous. yeah. No, you'll be you'll be great. You'll be absolutely awesome. So. If you can talk to all of the people that we've talked to on the podcast, then you can. 
You can do this. Of course you can. You can do this. All right. Okay. Well, I've done it really because I've recorded it. So <laughs> oh, there you, it go. Will be, there you go. It will be what it will be. <laughs> it will be awesome. That's what it will be. Hope so. So we will see you. The next main show will be with the one and only Steve Mann of the Institute of Modern Dog Training. Really, and his. Woo-hoo! His great book uh, with one of the best titles of any books ever, Easy Peasy Puppy Squeezy. Um, I don't know if any of you know Steve, but if you've ever heard him talk or anything, uh, he's incredible. He's got a way with words. Should we just say that? Um, and it's uh, <laughs> I love the way he describes things. I've been I've, I've actually I've, I've double double dived into Easy Peasy Puppy Squeezy because I've got it on Audible. And so as a little um, a heads up, I would get it on Audible because uh steve reads it on audible and it's well it is worth it for the comedy value um to hear him read it as well as (laughs) as well as learn everything there is to know up to date about how to bring a puppy up it's a it's a fantastic book it's a good one i'm really looking forward to chatting to him yeah yeah it'd be great it'd be great i actually started my dog training journey with uh with steve man way back in the day i can't remember what year it was i'll tell you what it was the year that that icelandic volcano erupted and grounded loads of airplanes remember it Maybe that. I think I've been doing some I stuff. I do remember that, yeah. It had a really long name. Yeah, but, um, uh, Lots yeah. of people got stuck, though, didn't they? Stuck on holiday. They did. And one of the people that was actually at the course that I was at with Steve Mann was one of those people that was stuck. Oh. But I had a... Because my, my dad worked up in the in a near area where the course was, so um, he could take me there each day so i could get to go down and come back and go down and come back um from southampton up to london top of the m25 somewhere i think it was and um but i had to get there really early so my dad started work really early and steve at that point um i don't know if he's still in the same place but uh had a sort of training facility uh kennels rehabilitation center like everything it was, it was amazing yeah. so we struck a deal that i could go up there and um and help out for a couple of hours before the course started oh, sort of milling good. around and i found myself they gave me a uh, they asked me if i had any sort of experience with clicker training so i went in and then the first hour i was there i found myself in in the kennels with the clickers doing little clicker training things with the dogs it was brilliant they were they were amazing and the course was absolutely brilliant and uh i don't know if the imdt was a thing then i can't remember but um but since then, it's it's gone from strength to strength. I mean, well, it's across the glo- it's a global phenomenon now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, completely. So it'll be interesting. Taking off. It'll be very interesting to uh, to speak. Yeah, to. I'm really looking forward to it. So, so. um, yeah, that's it then. Should we uh, should we say our bye byes? You take care, Nat. Yeah. You too, mate. Enjoy and your I'll, beer. I'll speak to you. I will. Well, I have. I've drunk it. <laughs> oh wow! You did that. Yeah. I'm even noticing. I know. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we'll we'll catch up tomorrow. Yeah, see you tomorrow and see everyone else uh, in a week. I don't know. I should probably mention, I don't know when... Uh, frequency of release is a bit all over the place in lockdown at the moment. So when I've got the off-the-shelf ones, I try and put them out as quick as I can. Try and keep the main show ones every 10 days-ish or so, something like that. So if you're wondering about what how sporadic everything is, that's, that's why. <laughs> yeah, we're just kind of... We're winging it a bit. Winging in it. Lockdown. We thought you might need a little bit of extra entertainment as learn, well so learn hopefully by it's doing. going down well all right all right see you later all right thanks guys Bye-bye. Bye. had some 
delight Ourselves divide Just like they've always done A spark of life We multiply this right It's just That stretches back through all time Time Guided by a primal desire To simply survive Survive You can't keep it It grows.